0: Get it going, it's time to get up. Bears coming with the blitz, Rodgers sees it, floats it down the middle, it is caught! Valdez, scaling, gonna go all the way! Touchdown, Green Bay! 72 yards!
1: These guys are here to break it all down. It's gonna be also a big onus on our players to be focused for camp and push themselves when it's hard
0: because you don't have much time we're gonna have to, again we're gonna have to maximize every day let's have a little fun and make you a winner
2: everything is happening
0: this is the starting lineup with james zabolsky and perry solkowski
2: happy new year everybody first show of 2021 i don't know about you but i'm about 10 pounds heavier than i was the last time we all spoke what's happening james zabolsky here Perry Solkowski there, Greg Falik on the other side of the glass. The band is back together again. We are the starting lineup here on your home of Vancouver hockey, home of the Canucks, and they're back on the ice today. Sportsnet six fifty. Perry, tell me this, man: How long do you say Happy New Year before you shut it down in a new year? Do you do you go a few days, or you is it one day and done?
3: No, my no, my friend, I I would take it. You can go mid January. You can go mid January if you see someone that you haven't seen for a long time which is the fact that everybody's in right now. Uh, you could even take it to the end of the month. But I <laughs> I am I'm a guess that you are announcing 10 pounds for you. Honestly, I could be 2025. 20, like this last couple of weeks, this last four or five weeks for me were ridiculous. Like I almost apologized to everybody in my family last night. Woke up this morning, determined that it'll be a new me. But the Happy New Year, gosh, even a belated Merry Christmas is okay till mid January. I mean, it's Merry Christmas, Happy New Year for the Canucks fans in the last twenty-four hours, right? I, I think you go, hey, look who we signed. Merry Christmas.
2: Oh man, like, there was there was a nice kind of wake up and kind of look at that and go, okay, Travis Hamonic. Yeah, I'll take that. I mean, there and there was a name that had been rumored uh, here in Canucks Nation really for the better part of the last three months or so uh, since the off-season and since free agency had started. And obviously the financial landscape really uh, impacted things. But, you know, hey, the Blues seem to get creative with the idea of Mike Hoffman. Uh, and finding a way to get him in on a PTO, and the same with the Vancouver Canucks. Um, Lots to get to over the next three hours. Uh, James and Perry kicking it with you until 9 o'clock this morning here. Uh, We are your home of Vancouver Hockey, and man, it is awesome to talk about everything like hockey transactions and signings and line combinations and transactions and trades and demands and disgruntledness, and NFL playoffs are ready to go, and you've got the World Juniors now at crunch time and some meaningful games as well. We're going to get into all of it here over the next three hours. At Sportsnet 650 is where you can find us on both Twitter and Instagram. 650-650 is the Dunbar Lumber text line. Always open for business. Love to hear from you and you weighing in. I know everybody getting amped up as well. Our Monday morning quarterback, Natea Jay, from the All Ball Podcast will join us in an hour. We'll dive into the NFL playoffs that are set now. We're talking lots of hockey as well this morning. Corey Hirsch, Sportsnet 650 mm-hmm. hockey analyst will drop by just after 8 o'clock and the agent for Travis Hamanick, who we just mentioned moments ago. Uh, he'll join us uh, in conversation. Kevin Epp uh, will join us coming up at 8.30 this morning, and you do wonder if relationships maybe had a thing to do with bringing both Travis Hamanick here to Vancouver, With based on Kevin Epp's conversations he's had over the years with the Vancouver Canucks pair.
3: Well, what a summer for Kevin Epp. I'm curious if, you know, and I don't know if Lance, a good agent talks to as many GMs as you can, but Think of Kevin Epp people if you're unaware who who he represents. So we got all into it for two weeks. Oliver Ekman Larson could be coming. Oliver Ekman Larson could be coming. That's a Kevin Epp player back and forth with that Arizona Coyote. Possible deal, no deal. So Kevin's in with Jim Benning there. Okay, that didn't happen. Now let's figure out who we're going after and who we got to keep. Jake Vertanen, what are you going to do? Arbitration, Jake. Well, there's another Kevin Epp agent. At that point, I'm curious, James, you're talking to Jim so much. Does Jim not go, you know, what do you think Travis is doing? What's Hamannick's situation? And honestly, I think in life, relationships are important, and that might have helped. And I think there was a lot of things that Travis Hamannick wanted for a fit, and he made it pretty clear he wanted to be in Western Canada, um, stay closer to Manitoba where he's he's from. But, yeah, I, I think Kevin Epp and Jim Benning on speed dial a fair bit over the last three months. And, listen, I'm a believer. Those kind of things, you have to have other things that fit. But that conversation might have started a long time ago. To see, here's what will work out if the Michael Ferland situation is something that will allocate some money, and it all it all kind of worked out. It, uh, by the way, we should say uh, we should say Merry Christmas, a belated Merry Christmas, and a Happy New Year to John, who is a constant on this show. And as soon as we said hello, he's wishing us both that. So. Can I see this before we get into it? Are you yeah. de Christmas now at your house? Do you have no, any remnants of Christmas? No, no. Or
2: this this week, uh, there was a thought there was there was a minor hockey team that was collecting uh, Christmas trees through the neighborhood yesterday, and we weren't ready to go to uh, to get everything stripped down. I mean, all the Christmas lights are still up in the neighborhood here. I I, I guess we'll give it at least another week. I, Next week there's the I think the Boy Scout tree shipping service that they they do up at the Rec Center here in uh, in town. So I think we'll pray we'll take the tree out next week. So I think we'll slowly dismantle the Christmas stuff this week and uh, and be ready to go for for next weekend. So yes, we're still Christmasized in the Sabalski
3: household. No, we're we're free and clear. Not outside. And new and new Year, right,
2: and my, my unwritten rule with New Years is you know I get till double digits. Once you get to double digits in the month of January then it's like okay we're 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 into we're into 2021 we're we're moving on here. Um I I will say this with Travis Hamilton I I I love the signing. I love the ad. It basically replaces Chris Tanev. Uh you, you got a guy who can play hard minutes, uh shut down sort of role, penalty kill. Um talked to one NHL scout last night said big, strong Uh, brings that physical element I think a lot of Canucks fans like to see that now back in the lineup plays a more defensive role Um, you know he's got that decent skill but I'm sure he can leave that up to Hughes and Schmidt to kind of handle the heavy lifting on that not elite by any means but it is a great fit for the Vancouver Canucks and that's in the eyes of one NHL scout I I think it's It's a solid depth move for the Canucks. Now, all of a sudden, you look at this team, and from a blue line standpoint, Pair, they go five deep at least, and then you've got Jordy Ben. How does he fit in? I think if you're a young prospect, I think trying to crack the roster for the Canucks, I think you're going, man, that sucks, right? If you're Ole Olevy, how does he factor in? Or Brogan Rafferty, or Jalen Chatfield, or Jack Rathbone, all these hopefuls trying to crack a spot with this team. I think they're kind of screwed, and I wonder if it's kind of a message to say, you know what? we're not trusting these guys, but I do look at this team. And now you kind of have one of the deeper blue lines, I would say in the Western conference, or at least in the North division for sure this upcoming
3: season. Yeah. I, I you know, it, to me, uh, I was surprised. I mean, we'd heard rumblings for about three weeks that it could happen. Um, and and to get him and to simply go, all right, so what did we lose on the blue line? Now I know we got to go through the whole team, but what did we lose on the blue line? Troy Stetcher. Good. But let's be honest. Troy Stetcher is like a player in the Toronto Maple Leafs. When you see him so much, he's better than people think. Troy Stetcher being from Vancouver, the love affair was going to be bigger than anyone else. This story, how he scored the emotional goal, you go, okay, man, I got to root for this guy. He's, he's a nice guy. He's a good fit. And at the price he was. But if you are going to say Troy Stetcher effectively traded for Travis Hamanick, that's a massive win. Uh, or Chris Tanev gone and in replace you get an H Schmidt. Flip him one way or the other, but the two players that have left, and the two players that have joined are, are, are an incredible upgrade to me on the blue line. Depth may still be of concern, but, boy, it's a big fit. And yesterday, Jim Benning and Travis Green, as they do when the hockey season starts, met the media from a distance on a Zoom call. Here's what the head coach, Travis, had to say about Travis.
1: You know, he's a veteran guy that's been in the league a while, Plays has played a lot of hard minutes. Uh, maybe minutes that go unnoticed, and uh, you know the schedule. You're going to need you're going to need depth. Uh, and from the coaching standpoint, we're excited that he's coming to count.
3: You know, James, who on that blue line was going to go unnoticed? Quinn Hughes. We watch everything he does. Nate Schmidt. When we see him play, he's very noticeable. The way he gambles and how he can skate. Tyler uh, Tyler Myers is six foot seven. Uh, you notice him no matter what, good or bad. Alex Eders, the veteran. You know, you need a guy on a blue line that goes unnoticed. And if Travis Hammonick is that guy who can block the shots, fight if he has to fight, hit some bodies, what an ad for them.
2: It It is a nice ad And, you know, you wonder how this ultimately slots in now, right? Where do you consider Hamanek playing alongside the likes of a Quinn Hughes? Uh, you know, there's a natural fit where Hamanek's a right-handed D-man He can kind of just let Hughes go and be the mighty Quinn And make his magic happen And Hamanek can just kind of hang back And, and, and do essentially the role that Chris Tanner blossomed into yeah. last year And stayed healthy You know, the one thing to keep in mind, Hammonick hasn't played in almost a year, pair, right? Mm -hmm. Like, he got hurt in early February in a game against the Canucks, and he had opted not to take part in the return to play back in the summer, right? So it's been a long time. So I guess you can look at it in the sense that, yes, there's probably some rust to shake off once he finishes his week-long quarantine here before getting on the ice with the Canucks. But at the same time, you wonder, you know, Is this a 30-year-old body who's about nine months younger than Kristanov who gets that full year rest essentially, right? Like that's a rested body for a 30-year-old that, you know, for a guy who plays those heavy minutes, can play a heavy game when need be. This guy hasn't been on the ice or banged or crashed in a year that's a rested body that the Canucks are going to have for a 56-game sprint once the puck drops. In nine days, Pear, like th- there's an eight-day camp that starts today, and then they drop the puck in a week and a half from now on Wednesday night on January 13th in Edmonton.
3: Yeah, so how much can you change, right? How much can you change, and, and we'll listen to Jim Benning in a second here too, to your point, as you said, we knew going in the right side, Nate Schmidt's the left-shooting defenseman that plays the right side, but you thought, wow, so there's a spot there. Is Brogan Rafferty going to be a guy who's got to be a 15-, 16-minute guy right away because that's what they're expecting on the other side from Oli Levy? Is that too much? We talked to Ed Jovanozki and go, boy, if, if you got to play two young D-men, you know, you can't really hide them. And, and Benning said yesterday about Hammonick, hey, he is going to be a perfect fit. You lost some guys in town. If you lost a good guy in the room who could say, hey, just just hang by me. I'll look after everything when you make a mistake. I got your back. Travis Hammond can help that and help the development, according to the GM.
2: You know, I I look at where things are at now, where with this team, they kind of talk. Like, we talked to Jim Benning, what, a month ago, pair on this show? I think it was like December 4th, exactly and Jim Benning was talking about this team was going to be a younger team. They're going to kind of push more kids into the lineup. And I think this move kind of flies in the face of what uh, Jim Benning was suggesting a month ago, now that you bring Travis Hammond. Now, I'm not going to complain about this move because I like the fit. I think it checks a box for what the Canucks will need. They need to add some depth on the back end as well. But I also look at this where, you say you brought in Braden Holpie, so you got a veteran goaltender to replace Jacob Markstrom. You brought in a veteran defenseman, in Nate Schmidt, uh, to replace whether, you know, Tanov or or Stetcher. And now you brought in Travis Hamanick as well. But you brought in like three guys who all and around the age of 30. But you look at this team. I don't want to sit there and all of a sudden say this one transaction makes them Stanley Cup contenders. But, man, you look at this blue line now. I mean, I think it's if everybody's healthy, this has the makings of one of the better blue lines or one of the best defensive core in the North Division. And you've got one more season this upcoming season with Pedersen and Hughes on their ELCs. I just wonder if you're kind of looking at this going, like, there's questions to be answered, but are the Canucks kind of saying, man, let's take our shot here? You know, let's go all in and let's try to push this. And I don't think bringing Travis Hamanick says... All in, but you were a win away from knocking out the Vegas Golden Knights. Like this team, if they get the goaltending that you hope you're, you're going to get with Holtby and and Demko, and you might have something good here.
3: I, I, I don't, I don't know if you go, we're all in. But put it this way: I was of the narrative that this could be a step back to go a step forward. And, and, and here's what I will say to you: Use the word, you know what. They don't have to push young guys on the blue line. No, they don't, but I think the schedule is going to force them to. Like I don't th- if Brogan Rafferty is the guy that they think from Utica is, hey, he's the guy we're going to put the next step, or maybe it's Jack Rathbone, they're going to see some NHL time. And they're going to see it because you look at a schedule where you got three nights in a row. You're playing three a, a game against a certain team three times in a row. What I like to call as we move into 2021 the Gordon Downey division because they should have come up with a better name than the Canadian <laughs> division. But it's it's something where they're going to have a chance. You know, you push because you don't have an option, but it's a lot easier. Don't you think, James? And we saw it with Stephen Ashton in the NBA last week when all of a sudden Kyrie Irving's not playing and Kevin Durant's not playing. He's gone, you know, condensed schedule. We've got to be smart. There are going to be times when it's going to be, you know what, Tyler Myers, that little, that little uh, nagging injury, there's no time for a maintenance day. So you're going to sit up in the press box. We'll give it to you. And Brogan Rafferty, you're in. So I do think it's a better mix to allow these guys to sprinkle in. And in part, and let's hear from Jim Benning right now, that's one of the reasons Hammond comes in. He's going to be there to help these guys develop. So it's not a push. It's maybe a gentle, come this way. We want you to be a big part of it. Here's what Benning had to say about acquiring Hammond.
1: We're going to have some young players on defense this year. And he can, you know, help continue to help with their development. Um, so, you know, he's a veteran player, he plays with passion, he plays hard. Um, you know, he's, we think he's going to be a good fit in our group. Like we've tried, you know, the last, you know, little while to make sure that we add, you know, players that, you know, going to come in and compete and fit in with our group. And he thinks, we think he's one of those guys.
3: And James, let me just tell our listeners the story of Travis Hamann, if they don't know it. Because I don't have to cheer in our position. I don't cheer for teams. I cheer for people. And here's a guy you cheer for. If you were unaware, when he was 10 years old in Manitoba, grew up on a farm, and his dad, you know, it's uh, all the kids are there, and obviously as Travis plays hockey, great bond with his father. His father comes in from the combine one night, plays around, and then all of a sudden, you know, Travis wakes up, ambulance, there his dad has a massive heart attack and passes away. Travis is 10 and then turns into a a little bit of a shell and has admitted the escape for him at losing his father at that young age was to play hockey. The family sells the farm because they can't finish what they have there. It had a massive farm and moved to Winnipeg where he continues with hockey. When he got drafted by the Islanders and played, he started a charity in which he wanted kids, and he didn't know who they were. They had tickets left if they had lost a parent, and then they'd come meet him. He would talk to him on the Islanders and just say, hey, you got a friend. I know what it's like. He's continued that with Calgary. I will cheer for Travis hammond the person because what he's come through and how he's trying to use his platform. So to me, you go, okay, there you go. There's a character. And, and yeah, boy, we have this conversation too much with the Canucks and, and what happened with Stetcher and Jacob March and what Brock has gone through and Zach McEwen has gone through. But that's a character, I, checked, I think, that Jim Benning always looks to. And there's a guy who's not going to want a giant spotlight on him but it's just going to go get the job done. And I'll cheer for Travis Hammonick, whatever number he wears when he puts it on for the Canucks uniform, because I think those character guys can make a difference for everybody in the room. And he's that guy,
2: you know, and, and you look at the, the story when you kind of do the details or, or kind of do the research in terms of what's behind it. He, he rubbed a lot of NHL personnel uh, the wrong way, what he wanted out of the Islanders, right. To kind of make that mm-hmm. call. And it's like, well, who are you to kind of make that call to to want out in those trade demands, you know, going back a few years ago and and ultimately facilitated the move to Calgary? Um, In saying that, he had a lot of interest from teams south of the border in the National Hockey League that wanted him, uh, teams in the east that were kicking tires on him but he was he wanted no part of the cross border travel he wanted no part of playing south of the border he wants to play as you alluded to in western canada um, and you know what as they you know, there's not a lot of guys that you hear to say family first, and, and guys who are determined to play in Canada for that matter, right? I mm-hmm. mean, how many times have we talked to Brian Burke Thursday morning, 7 a.m. every week, everybody? Brian Burke joins us here on this radio station, right here on the starting lineup on Sportsnet 650. And Burkey often often shares how players do not want to play in Canada. You know, how many guys are turned off by that that have in their contract, on their no-movement list, on their no-trade list, there's often all seven Canadian teams for so many players. Travis Hamanick, not that guy. And I think that's a win for Vancouver, and obviously so, because he's here, or he's on his way here, to quarantine for the next week before he can get on the ice and join this team, before the puck drops on the season on January 13th.
3: Yeah, they get him here. Jim Benning said yesterday, you know, making trades, you're still going to deal with quarantine as it sits right now. So I don't think we're going to see a whole bunch of moves in the NHL once this season starts. I do think it's great to talk about this team and how good they are. We've got it up in our poll question as to what you think about the Canucks as they get set. They'll be on the ice at 11 o'clock this morning. I, I do think this is going to be a battle of depth. I mean, it really is. Look look what happened to the Hawks since we've talked with, you know, they wait for issues with Jonathan Taves and, and Kirby Dock gets hurt at the world juniors. We are going to see a lot of people, you know, get hurt. I think it's a, look what we saw with the NFL with, with COVID. And I don't think that'll be the biggest issue in the NHL, but you know, you were looking at a lot of people playing games that you didn't expect. I think you have to expect that the taxi squads are there for a reason. You're going to have to use them. I mean, I'm sure at some point we can compare taxi squads to who's got the best taxi squad in the NHL. But you're going to get to know, and you're going to see an awful lot of players this year. You go, oh, where's he from? But right now, if you go in healthy, and how long did it last for the Canucks? Two playoff games before they lost Tyler to Foley. Uh, you go in healthy. I like where this hockey team is. And they had to step up because of what you saw Edmonton to do, what you saw Calgary do. But now that move to get Hammonick on the blue line, add experience, like you said, I'll take their top five and match them up against pretty much anybody and go... If you got the best of Tyler Myers, if you got a healthy Alex Sedler, which I think at some point he's supposed to have a decline, but they got to feel pretty comfortable. Travis Green does to see what he has moving the puck on the back end today when they open up.
2: I think goaltending still needs to be answered for the Vancouver Canucks and figure out. Look, is Thatcher Demko the real deal? Was were those three games that we saw last summer from Thatcher Demko against Vegas? Was that a flash in the pan? Was that just a you know a mirage, or is this the real deal going forward into this season? And can Braden Holtby find his game that ultimately propelled the Washington Capitals to a Stanley Cup in 2018 that won him a Vesna Trophy that put him in the conversation as one of the best goaltenders in hockey? You know, for a period of time, somewhere in that window of you know five six years. Now That game has dropped off the last two seasons for Braden Holpe. He hasn't been that guy, which is why the Canucks got him for a bargain of a deal based on his resume and body of work. I'm willing to bet that this goaltending tandem can prove to be a strong one for the Canucks this season, but at the same time, until you know, Pear, you don't know, and that's the one thing that you look at this team. I, I think that, that that's a question that needs to be answered. You've got somewhat of an incomplete top six for this team right now, but defensively, this team is better. I mean, all day you take Nate Schmidt and Travis Hammonick over Troy Stetcher and Chris Tanneff, right? Like I, I, All day you take that. Um, you still have a lot of depth up front. You still have a lot of depth. And, and then the other question, and we're going to get into this coming up at the bottom of the hour, but Vasily Podkolzin. You know, the way that the schedule kind of lays out, you know, Vasily Podkolzin could be part of the Vancouver Canucks as, as sort of a, de- a quote-unquote deadline move. You know, if, you know, the KHL season ends, he's not going to the Worlds. You know, he could very well be part of this Canucks team down the stretch at the end of the year for a possible playoff appearance or just kind of that over-the-top uh, depth move to kind of have those young legs join the team. So I think there's a lot of battles for positions up front. Um, you have potentially a really nice one-two punch in goaltending if they combine their game to what they can be, both Holtby and Demko respectively. And with Hammonick in the fold now defensively, as you mentioned, this is a team that looks on paper, has an opportunity to be even better than what we saw from last year.
3: And it's it's amazing what this team has gone through over the years. Uh, and all the changes they've made and what they've done and what we will look at. On our poll question right now, 42% of you believe the Canucks have improved since the off-season, 35 say it's the same, 23% of you are miserable. It's 2021, turn the page. They think the Canucks have declined. Get better, people. But you know what's amazing as you talk about the blue line, to talk about the changes in cool. Yet at the end of the day, as I have said for the last 2 or 3 years, agree or not agree, the one guy who can who can swing it to a really big year to, oh, yeah, is number 18. How? How Jake Furtanen. If all of a sudden the reports come that Jake Furtanen is slim, is fit, and fast, you don't think people are going crazy tonight going, Furtanen finally got it. He could be that top six guy. It speaks to the hole they have on the right side, and people text you and go, man, if they would have had Toffoli. Eh, Toffoli's going to be old in a couple of years. But you're right with Pod Coles and what he's shown, but as, as you look at what they have and what they've done, If somehow you have a good Jake Vertanen show up, you now go, okay, top six is good, good on the blue line. It's amazing how that guy can be such a difference maker in this team, no matter what they've done around him. He's going to puke.
2: He's going to puke on the ice today. (laughs) <laughs> I would. He's going to be out of you know. shape. He's going to be out of shape. And then we're going to, it's just going to be like 2020 and all the other years prior. You know, the question. Uh, yeah,
3: unfortunately, is... I will lean your way. As a guy who's done a lot of betting <laughs> recently on Sundays, I would lean your way more so than, you know, he's one of the top five guys as far as fitness in camp. We'll get his agent on at 830. Maybe we'll ask him.
2: There we go, Kevin. Up uh, coming up, uh, agent for not only Jake Bertanen, but for Travis Hamanick as well. Uh, NFL news coming down just in the last couple of minutes as well. Uh, today is known as Black Monday in the National Football League. Uh, heads are starting to roll. Adam Gase, we heard last night. New York Jets officially done with Adam Gase. And uh, Doug Marone has been uh, turfed uh, as head coach of the Jacksonville Jags. I'm surprised he lasted this entire year, to be quite honest with you, Pear, but the Jags ready well, to go in a new for- direction. Right. I mean, there's talk that Urban Meyer might be uh, the guy to take over in Jacksonville, and then there's also the fact that they have an opportunity to probably take uh, Trevor Lawrence uh, first overall. So it could be a big turning of the page and a big restart for the Jacksonville Jaguars in 2021.
3: Yeah, I'm. I'm you know, uh, Adam Gase is the one that why they waited. You know, when we were talking to our friend <laughs> Ben Willman, they've had that waiting after week two that the Jets have to do something. But uh, maybe that's patience in a in a strange situation. But both those teams, I, you know, I've watched some of that Jets game. I don't know why, yesterday. Uh, you need to make some changes. The, the bigger story to me and a lot of people was what happened last night when Jalen Hurts is pulled out of the Philadelphia organization. You're going to watch our, our third stringer go, and then they fall apart, and everybody in New York goes, really? You're not going to try and win the game? If you're finding coaches for not wearing masks, how about finding an organization for blatantly in a national stage going – This game doesn't matter that much to us. We'd rather stay where we are as far as draft picks are concerned. So we're going to throw the game in front of everybody did exactly that last night.
2: 26 minutes after 6 o'clock. Clock uh, clock management off to a fine start already here to kick off 2021. James Cebulski, Perry Solkowski kicking it with you. We'll dive into the NFL coming up at 7 o'clock. Lots more hockey talk coming your way. Big game for Canada coming up later on this afternoon as the Canadians take on the Russians with Vasily Podkolzin. Canada's been great. But are they just that good, or they has, have they simply not been tested just yet? We'll get into that with Seaball Says next right here on your home of Vancouver Hockey, Sportsnet 650.
0: He may not be right, but he says it with confidence anyway. And I need
2: all of you to stop what you're doing and listen.
0: Seaball Says on Sportsnet 650.
2: Well, Canucks prospect and first-round pick Vasily Colson in Team Russia take on canada in the semifinals later on this afternoon at the world juniors and if the russians hope to derail the host nation they'll certainly need to look better than those terrible sticker ads on their helmets saying toy and for those of you that don't like ads or don't want ads on jerseys or any sort of sporting merchandise well it's a point to you guys this morning i knew it yeah, Canada has been absolutely dominant this year's edition of the World Juniors. Despite losing their captain and best player Kirby Dock at the start, the Canucks have absolutely steamrolled the competition 36-4 to in five games, the latest a dominating showing against the Czechs in the quarterfinals. It's a truly remarkable appearance from what we've seen from Team Canada. And considering where it starts in goal with Devin Levi, a seventh-round pick of the Florida Panthers who has become a sincere Sensational story, even more impressive when you consider he hadn't even played a game since March before this tournament began less than two weeks ago. Levi has shown an ability to make timely saves, but also stays sharp when he goes long stretches without facing a shot. Mental and physical toughness for a goalie who turned 19 just a week ago. Canada has checked the boxes everywhere. They're well-coached. They're well-assembled. And simply put, they're just a kick-ass team. No one has put up a fight against the Canadians to this point, and this is where Jimmy Buzzkill comes to play. They just haven't been tested. Sure, they had to quarantine and deal with COVID, and yes, they lost Doc, but on the ice, they have not been touched. Now maybe this is a non-issue and they're just simply that good, but the fact is that the meat of the tournament was in the other round robin group. Canada avoided any real heavyweights except for Finland to this point. But it does conjure up memories of the 2004 World Juniors, you know a Canadian team that absolutely steamrolled its way to the gold medal game with a roster that boasted Mark andre Fleury, Brent Burns, and a 16-year-old named Sidney Crosby. They were absolutely perfect through the tournament. They led 3-1 in the gold medal game of the third period against the U.S. until the Americans pushed back. And suddenly, Canada was on their heels. And after Ryan Kessler tied it up... Well, Marc-Andre Fleury's errant clearing attempt made Patrick O'Sullivan a hero, at least south of the border.
0: Meanwhile, the other way, O'Sullivan racing towards it, and it goes in! It goes in! Fleury tried to clear, it hit O'Sullivan, it goes in the net, it's 4-3 USA!
2: Ah, world junior infamy. Now, Canada redeemed themselves in a dominant fashion a year later, but my point is this. Until you deal with adversity, you really don't know what you've got as a team. As mentioned, this Canadian team just might be. And I am that damn good! But until you know, you don't know. And a lack of adversity is what concerns me most about a team that has absolutely pulverized the competition up to this point. Now, maybe Pod Colson and the Russians can provide that test later on this afternoon. In the meantime, we've got Canada, we've got Russia, old hostilities renewed, so let's get the heat going. Hit it, Nikolai. And that is this morning's edition of Seaball says.
3: Oh, I know they tell me this tournament starts and it's my Christmas tradition, really. I, I could care less about this tournament until now. There's two games that need to be played, a semifinal game and a final game. You know, for what Canada had to deal with, and their best player got hurt in Kirby Dock, their captain. I, I enjoy watching it, Bowen Byron is a young man we've got to know. I'd like to see him, but honestly, when it's a matter of how much are they going to run it up, the first week of this tournament does nothing for me. Other than make me angry and then the people on social media. Well, you know, you can't stop. What are they going to pass it around a hundred times before they score? It's great. Even, even, you know, the game that was played the quarterfinals ago, well, maybe we're going to see an upset. The Swedes and the Finns were good, but really it starts tonight, James. And I know you've traveled. You've been a big part of this, but I am always of two sides. I'll watch tonight. It's going to be good. You got four good countries left. I like the American squad too. And in a couple of days, the final will be wonderful. But, man, to get jacked up about seeing, you know, the Germans playing and and how they were just run over, I, I just remind myself what I have for 25 years. This is great marketing and gives us something to do at Christmas time. But for the first week of this tournament, it does nothing for me other than go, man, why? Why do we have to put ourselves through it? It's about money, but I don't care until this afternoon.
2: So how deep does hockey go then? In terms of the pool, in terms of the pool, we often talk about from a women's standpoint that, yeah. oh, okay, you know, oh, it's it's simply it's Canada and it's the U.S. and and we've kind of hammered that from from a women's standpoint, you know, and and I think we're starting to see the rise of, you know, Sweden's getting closer. We're starting to see Finland getting closer. Russia's taken some big steps in the last couple of years, but in your mind, how deep does international hockey go?
3: On junior side, six teams. So you take the four you have here, throw in the Swedes who had to battle COVID, and then then hit and miss whether it's the you know the the Czechs, uh, you know Germany's become a lot better. And I understand that doesn't make the game better. The Germans have really improved on a world stage. Finland at one point was a little bit more of a doorman that they are now. They've been great on the mid side. So if you throw six teams in there and go, okay, we're going to play a round robin you're going to play five games against these and go old school like it used to be, it's better competition as far as I'm concerned. Bottom line is the the IHF will say, no, this is for all countries to prosper and make it better. So hopefully we get to the point where there might be eight or nine significant teams. And to your point, we've seen it on the female side. We've seen all of a sudden, it's not just Canada, U.S., that the Finns have started to play. But man, it just does nothing for me when the discrepancy is is... Double digits in goals. To go, hmm. I mean, I I I bet a little bit over under on a lot of the games I played were seven and a half. Mm-hmm. It's ridiculous that you're watching a hockey game. Go now, yeah, I'll give up seven and a half goals, and maybe they'll cover, and they do.
2: It's shocking that the checks have dropped off the way they have internationally. You know, they haven't meddled since 2005 at this tournament. Think about that. And, and, and you know, there's a generation of us that were absolutely devastated watching Wayne Gretzky sitting on the bench in the shootout in the Nagano in 1998, right? Dominic Hasek, right? Like, the Czechs going all the way to gold the first year NHLers played in the Olympics. It was just, man, Hashik, Yager, they got it done. But, you know, where's, where's Czech hockey these days? Right? I mean I think if you look at you want to d- debate the talent pool right now from a hockey standpoint you've got Canada the us uh you've got Sweden Russia Finland and then you might have this sort of you know scratching and clawing to kind of get in there with Germany and Switzerland uh, Slovakia and the Czechs but they're just not ready for prime time I think the big flaw for this tournament this year was just the fact that Canada really didn't I mean the grouping in terms of where they were at and look I think a lot of nations were dealing with COVID where they putting their best foot forward this year I think that has a huge impact on it I mean this is a big tournament for Canada to begin with you're dealing with a heavyweight and and that's a competitive advantage they don't have to deal with the travel and all that but I think when you look we've criticized a lot about women's hockey over the last 20 years and you know, whether or not it should be an Olympic sport. I know I've kind of said it over the years and kind of wondering, look, you've got, it's basically a, it's a two country race for, for gold. And that's Canada and the U S but you know, junior hockey right now, I, I just wonder from a talent pool standpoint, internationally, I think it's almost essentially a five horse race really overall. And the Russians for that matter, I mean, it's been a decade since they've won a gold like it's it's five countries I think at best right now, and then you got four that are kind of scratching and clawing to try to break on through.
3: Well, and it's you know not a surprise. How much money have the Americans put into their U.S. developments? Right, I mean that's where they get these teams together. That's where these these kids are getting better. How far are we removed from the fact that remember when Hockey Canada had to call a summit because we weren't going and routing everybody at the World Juniors, we weren't grabbing gold at every World Tournament that was there, and say hey, hey hey let's all get together here. What has happened to us, and those on the outside were kind of cheering, go, well, it's good for the game, actually, when you're not rolling in as, you know, putting on the Canadian flag and the red and white jersey and leaving with everything. So uh, I just, you know, there's a big gap right now. And there are five teams that, when you drop the puck, and I got some great sound of some referees, because these are still kids too Mm -hmm. that will play in the PSNBs. But it's, you know, tonight's going to be great hockey, and the finals will be great hockey. It's the lead-up. It's the lead-up to it where I just have a tough time looking at scores and going, man, it's not even close, but I understand money drives this tournament, so they'll keep on going that way, and you hope that others catch up a little bit closer. But right now, yeah, maybe I shouldn't put the shine on how good this hockey team is, but they haven't played anybody really until tonight.
2: I don't know if you've answered it already by saying that you haven't really had the interest in the tournament, but have you, have you paid much attention to what you've seen from Pod Colson?
3: Yeah, I have. And you know what? I think he's one of those guys that – he doesn't dominate that tournament, but no, you know you watch hockey players and and, and soccer players or whatever. And you go put him with better players. He's gonna be he's gonna be really good. And I think he thinks the game a little bit differently, a little bit like Pedersen in the sense that put him with better players. He'll understand it. He'll get him the puck and he's continued. He is not that type of player. I think he thinks the game really well, like how he's feisty. I don't know if he's coming here and lighting it up and having 25 goal seasons, but I think he's grabbing the puck and he's going to grind it out. Not the typical Russian player. I think he was good. Albert Cosmer was good for Sweden. So that's fun to watch those guys. Pat and. Just like when we had Chris Higgins on a couple months ago, I can understand when the Canucks say, no, he's ready. He might be ready to dominate and score, but he's ready to battle along the boards in the NHL. I, I think he's looking forward to that next step.
2: I, I think it's, I want to see a big game from him today. You know, he dominated, he, domin- he he's dominated, he dominated, he controlled one game for the Russians in round robin, right? He, he's had about a game and a half where he was the best player on the team, you know, the captain leading by example. I thought the game against the U.S., he was, he was okay. I mean, he was victim of a bit of a late hit, but I think there'd be players that would tell you that, you know, he got caught admiring his own pass and, and not looking, keeping his head up, and, and he got rocked. Um, I, I would say I'd like to see him show big against Canada today. I, I really want to see. I mean, this is a great measuring stick to see where his game is at. He's noticeable every game. I think he's been good. I don't think he's been great this tournament, but I want to see how he's going to go. I want to see. I want to see how today. I mean, today's a great test to see how he rolls. You know, I always think back to a conversation pair with Alex Ovechkin going into the gold medal game against uh, against Team Canada in the 2005 World Juniors. Oh, we had walked through, getting finishing up practice and. He looked up on the TV monitor and there was Pierre Maguire talking about, you know, Canada and this and that. And he kind of looked up at the TV and and Ovechkin, a young Ovechkin looks at me and he says, what are they saying? And I said, well, they're talking about how they're going to shut you down. He said, well, what are they going to do? And I said, well, they're saying Faneuf and Weber and they're going to keep hitting you. And he just kind of stopped, stared at the at the TV and looked at me and then with that big OV smile and he said, Let them try and walked away with that confident grin. And then they turned out smashing Ovechkin, separating his shoulder in the game and knocking him out of the game en route to a dominant Canadian victory. But I like the confidence. I'd like to see that from Vasily
3: Podkolzin against Canada today. Uh, We will see if we get that. Uh, No BS, just P.S. Russell Wilson. I don't know if management's thrilled with him, but he made one of his players some bank going to the old Hey, we're not going to do this. I'll call the Audible. We'll explain and explain how much money is going into one of his receiver's bank accounts. That is it. 645. Hockey is back, everybody. A little training camp at 11 this morning on the home of the Canucks Sports at 650.
0: He always tries to be ahead of the game. Harry was in front. Finding stories that matter. Sort of. We call BS. You want answers. I want the truth. It's not BS, just PS. With Perry Solkowski. Time
3: to let you know some things that happen in the world of sports, culture, entertainment. That you go. Oh, I wasn't sure of that. How about this? PS, everybody. You know, you understand quarterbacks are always looking after the offensive linemen. You give them gifts at Christmas time. You make sure they're okay. But sometimes QBs are looking after their receivers. Wait a Tell me, David Moore, David Moore. Here's the deal. Seattle, victory formation is all Russell Wilson has to do to get their win yesterday against San Francisco. But if not, just run the ball. No, no, no. Russell Wilson aware that receiver David Moore had 34 catches this year. 35 meant a $100,000 bonus. So Russell decides to change the play. He's not going to take a knee. He's going to swing it out to David Moore. Here you go, my friend. Catch this for $100,000. James don't know if Seattle and the organization was happy, but oh, David Moore had to be smiling.
2: That's why. Uh, that's why David Moore will always say, "Let Russ cook." Right? And, and and man, that's that's how you win. Like, hey, never mind management. Guys in the room. Guys in the room know. It's like listening to Steph Curry last night. Somebody saying, "Hey, were were you aware of where things were at as you're putting up your career high sixty two points?" And of course. You got guys in your ear letting you know. I think teammates know what's going on with guys and their bonuses. I, I From a team standpoint, man, I, I love seeing that
3: last night. Because Russell knew that. He was told during the week. So, you know, but just to keep it in mind, he's going, oh, yeah, OK, I'll get you this. Hey, P.S., there is no game plan to stop Derrick Henry in the regular season.
0: There are a couple of things we should go over. Peanuts, we know you're fresh, but you've got to come through in the crutch.
3: Caramel, you old smoothie. I want you to queen, man. Fudge, you're my set of ways the settle. Here
0: comes Fudge. Chocolate. I want you to cover for everyone. <laughs> and now, coming out on the field, the King of Candyland, O. Henry. O.
3: Oh, Henry is great. 227 yards. 2,000 yards becomes the eighth player to ever do it. Man, the list is incredible. When you got O. J., Eric Dickerson, Barry Sanders, Terrell Davis, Jamal Lewis doesn't fit in there. Chris Johnson had it, as did Adrian Peterson. Big, big win for the Titans to avoid overtime yesterday. Hey, Derrick Henry is great. You need more when it comes to the postseason. But this guy, you thought maybe he couldn't do it again after last year, James, didn't slow down. They just can't take him down. He gets better as games go on.
2: I love that you start with OJ. (laughs) but
3: <laughs> well, hey, he's part of the list no and yeah, you're right, right and, it.
2: and it's funny because the last you know the last quarter of a century is essentially known for one of the most heinous things in America and the, the trial that gained more attention than anything in North American crime history but you forget sometimes just how good a running back he was in his prime
3: PS uh, big hockey games tonight the world Juniors but you forget their kids referees don't have a listen to some of the mic'd up situations that the refs and what they said before faceoffs at the World Junior so far.
2: Great day for hockey. Merry Christmas, boys. Have a good one. All
4: right, gentlemen, pitter paddle. Let's get out of here. All right, let's see if I can still do this, boys. That is to watch boys. Have a good one. Here we go, fellas. Most goals win. Here we go. are
3: not whistle. We're good. Here we go. We're going. I got Let's do that hockey, boys. No box today's deal today, boys. Here we go. Let's have a good one. Oh, here, okay, boys. Shake and bake. Game. I love the most goals wins. Those are the rest before they drop. <laughs> and finally, over the holidays, James, this happened.
0: Cinderella Story, out of nowhere, a former Grange Keeper now, about to become the Masters Champion. <clears throat> it looks like I'm a wreck. It's in the hole!
3: For the first time in his life, the greatest hockey player of all time got a hole-in-one. Gretzky got a hole-in-one a couple of days ago, celebrating on Instagram, playing with his buddies and his wife, Janet. The one thing Gretzky had never had, heard him on a podcast, he was sour about it, and now he can tell his son-in-law, hey, you won the Masters, and I got myself a hole-in-one. <laughs> no BS, just <laughs> PS, everybody.
2: 99! Does that, does, that inc- does that help improve Gretzky's rookie card worth that is
3: now, what, over a million dollars for a perfect 10? Keeps them in the news, right? That probably helps. <laughs>
2: yeah, can't hurt anyway. Uh, all right, six minutes to 7 o'clock here on this Monday morning. Uh, lots to get to with the National Football League. Coaches being fired. The playoffs are set now. We'll dive into it with our NFL Monday morning quarterback, Natea Jay, from the All Ball Podcast, plus much more on the Vancouver Canucks. On the ice for the first time later on this morning, and they've got a new weapon on the back end as well, as Travis Hamanick has joined the club in a professional training out We'll get to all of it next right here on your home of Vancouver Hockey Sportsnet 650.
0: Let's get it going. It's time to get up. Bears coming with the blitz. Rodgers sees it. Floats it down the middle. It is caught. Valdez, Scantling going to go all the way. Touchdown, Green 72 yards! These guys are here to break it all down. It's
1: gonna be also a big onus on our players to be focused for camp and push themselves when it's hard because you don't have much time. We're gonna to have to again we're gonna to have to maximize
0: every day. Let's have a little fun and make you a winner.
2: Everything is happening!
0: This is the starting lineup with James Zabolski and Perry Solkowski.
2: Hey, seven o'clock. What's going on, everybody? Sobalski-Solkowski. Uh, hour number two here on this Monday, January the fourth. Reminder: This hour is a presentation of Dunbar Lumber, the smart alternative. Visit Dunbar Lumber on Bridge Street in Ladner, Arbuthnott Street in Vancouver, or check them out online. At DunbarLumber.com. Speaking of Dunbar Lumber, our text line, uh, sponsored by Dunbar Lumber at 6.50, 6.50. And Keith chiming in in Qualicum Beach, uh, suggesting this morning, pair: uh, Hammonick doesn't make the Canucks all in if they had kept a Foley and signed Hammonick, then maybe. Um, but I'll tell you what, I do like the move with That's Travis Hammonick uh, joining in and, and just adding the depth to what now becomes, I think, one of the stronger blue lines in the North Division once the puck drops on January 13th.
3: Uh, and a happy new year to you, Keith, but it's impossible, right? It, it, people have to remember. And by the way, Travis Hammonick is here in a professional tryout, but you know somewhere in the top drawer, he knows what the numbers are. But Keith, you can't sign to Foley because if that costs you three and a half or four million, where do you have the money for Travis Hammonick, right? They're getting the money because Michael Furlan is not here for camp and a likelihood will go through the process. So he'll go on LTR. So they'll, they'll have that long-term relief. They'll have that $3 million. There you go, Travis Hammonick. We can give you this much money. But Keith, yes, I know. And, and, and Jim Benning has said the one void on this team is on the right side. But now with Hammonick there, letting, you know, letting a Quinn Hughes take off, with Nate Schmidt taking off, however he pairs them, you hope that you fill that void from the back end. So it would be great to say they have Tyler DeFoley and Nate Schmidt and Travis Hammonick. But you can't do that. So credit Jim Benning for how he has used his money, how he has used it efficiently, and kind of waited everybody out. And I'm sure there's a lot of people in the Gordon Downing division that they'll play in going, wow, okay, um, nice move, Canucks, because a lot of GMs thought they went backwards. I think, and judging by our poll question, I, I think the news yesterday that he's coming goes, all right, the only place there is a deficiency is on the right side, And you hope that you can fill it from within.
2: Uh, Langley fun guy uh, Also aka couch critic this morning Also on the Dunbar Lumber text line at 650-650 I think Pod Colson is a good All-round player and he also has a very high IQ I could see him being a Solid third liner maybe second but he's not Flashy nor is he a pure goal scorer I think he brings what you wanted And expected to get in Jake Vertanen The great two-way grinding All-around forward who can pass And score and bang the body Sorry Jake but your time is once again Winding down. Now big opportunity for Jake and camp here but you know there's that next wave of young guys up front that you know Hoaglander's going to get a chance to see if he can stick with the team up front here pair and Pod Colson if everything goes according to the Canucks plan or or goes the Canucks way if you will you know Pod Colson you know once he deals with Canada later on today at the World Juniors you know he could be here in the spring uh, once the KHL season is over and once, you know, if he's not part of the World Hockey Championship, he could be here joining the Canucks uh, for a late addition to help this team maybe push them over the top.
3: Yeah, and I don't know if he's a top six guy. I would agree with the Langley fun guy that he's gonna a really good solid in NHL that maybe goes to a top six. You know, the the most offensive skill they have of, of the guys who will take to the ice at 930 this morning for the first two sessions is probably Hoglander. But honestly, I just, I just don't think the Canucks can go back to the well that often, right? There's just no way Pedersen can be as good as he is. Hughes can be as good as he is. And all of a sudden, the hope of a Hoglander or a Pod Colson all of a sudden become a top six forward in the NHL. They may work their way into it. But I would say this, James, as it'll probably be a topic of conversation, the void they have on the right side. And I think come next year, depending on what they can do with Hammond, and can keep him around that that's where everyone looks, going, okay, so what do we do? We need someone to score on the right side. We need to finish and fill at our top six. Um, but if they can fill it from within, how they have this set up and where the money's coming off contracts next year, they're in a good spot. Like I'm just surprised that Benning's been able to do this. I think it speaks to relationships he's had to bring guys in here. It's a fit. But make no mistake, Calgary's been better. The Oilers will be better. My gosh, yesterday afternoon, I'm watching NFL. I see Joe Thornton's trending because he's skating with Marner. I'd rather have a young guy than a 40-year-old getting all the pub oh, Thornton's there. That's pushing him over the edge in Toronto.
2: Please. Well, I'll tell you what, though. I, like You look at some of the veteran additions that the Leafs have made. I, I think a lot of those moves also help in the room beyond just off the yeah. ice. You've been raving for the last hour about the great character addition to Hammonick for the room element. Uh, I, I think... He, he, <laughs> You know, I think Joe Thornton certainly brings that uh, based on his track record and resume uh, for the years that he spent with the San Jose Sharks. We'll get into the the National Hockey League much more. I want to get into the Canucks much more in just a few minutes. But the National Football League, the regular season is in the books. Uh, in one of the more unique seasons in NFL history, obviously in a COVID year during a pandemic, uh, the playoffs are set, and today is the day that coaches are getting fired, and let's bring in our Monday morning quarterback, Natea J from the All Ball Podcast. Happy New Year, sir!
5: Happy New Year to you guys, and yeah, it's Black Monday in the NFL, but... It's, at least it's not Black Monday for us. Happy New Year, guys. <laughs>
2: not yet, anyway. We'll find out uh, at 9.05 <laughs> this morning when we get off the air. No, uh, But, okay, uh, coming down in the last hour, Doug Marone is out in Jacksonville. Adam Gase, uh, I don't think there's any surprise with these guys being shown the door.
5: No, absolutely not. I mean, they are they're on the hot seat since the season started, and word out of Jacksonville is like they're targeting Urban Meyer, which is a big surprise, but he's always a uh, coaching candidate uh, since he left uh, Ohio State there. So, you know, it's interesting to see what they will do. Uh, I'm interested in what the Jets are going to do. Um, they have obviously have a lot of decisions, a lot of you know, draft capital this year. So, you know, they're, they're a team that kind of came on at the end to the chagrin of their fans, but uh, they got some, uh, some work to do. And I think, you know, today's a good day for the, if you're a Jets fan, because you know, it, it you know, the future is bright. You know, you got a potential new coach. You got a, a top uh, three pick in an NFL draft. And, you know, you got a lot to look forward to, which you didn't have uh, most of the season.
3: Who do you think would be closer? If you had to take one of those jobs as a head coach, where would you go? Would you go to New York?
5: No, I, it just is so toxic. I, I would go to Jacksonville, you know, less pressure uh, media wise. And I'm going to have the first overall pick. You know, I have the opportunity to pick a, a generational quarterback, right? And that's the thing as a head coach and you're, you know, weighing out where you want to go. You want to go to the position where you have the best quarterback because that's going to give you the best chance to win, you know, because the quarterbacks is basically the CEO of an offense, a CEO of a team. And, you know, you, you kind of go the way the quarterback goes and you have a chance to get a guy like Trevor Lawrence who is arguably one of the best uh, talents to come out since probably Andrew Luck. Um, So I I think I would, I would go to Jacksonville.
2: You know, you you look at where the Jets sit. uh, They've got three of the top 35 picks going into the draft. Obviously they get, you know, the Seahawks pick and they got, so they got two first rounders. Um, So the playoffs are set. Uh, Let's, let's start in the AFC and the Kansas city chiefs. I mean, they kind of rested everybody and, and they get spanked by the chargers, but, is there anybody that can legitimately beat the Chiefs in your mind?
5: I'm looking at Buffalo right now. Ah! They're these playoffs so. Well, I'm honestly, I'm the, the, the Buffalo Bills have been super impressive this year. Josh Allen has made amazing strides. He put himself kind of in that MVP talk. Uh, obviously, he's not going to win it, but. He's a, a different caliber quarterback. He is in that top tier of quarterbacks. Stephon Diggs let the NFL in receiving receptions and receiving yards. You know, they've got a defense that's stingy right now. You know, they're playing their backups, and they put 56 on, on, on Miami, who is a good team and who had the world to play for. So Buffalo has been impressive. I You know, the past month and month and a half, they've looked unbeatable to, to me. They've gone up against everyone, and they've, 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 they've taken care of business. So Buffalo is a team that I think – can put up points with Kansas city and their defense, you know, can do enough. I, I still don't think they win that game, but it's going to come down to the fourth quarter of that game. And the way the chiefs have been playing, you know, these last, you know, close games, anything can happen, especially come playoff time. So, and you know, they've had the benefit of already playing them before this season and that, that, that bodes well for them because they understand, you know, what it's going to take to beat them. So Buffalo is a team I'm looking forward to, to seeing uh, them perform in the playoffs.
3: Man, I completely agree with you. Where do you sit on the ongoing debate that happens on the final week, and it happens in hockey too, of sitting players? Because the Kansas City Chiefs, you know, to me, they never had any nights in any games to go, wow, that's 60 minutes of great football. It's just if they were close, they would win in the fourth, or they would have a big first half and then hang on enough to get it done. Where the Bills have been smacking people around for the past month. As a player, would you have rather played like Josh Allen did or do what the Chiefs did not sit pretty much everyone?
5: I guess it depends on the individual player and team, right? Because if you're the Chiefs, I mean, you've already won a Super Bowl. You understand what it takes to win uh, in the playoffs. You know uh, what, what you know, to look forward to. If you're the Chiefs, you know, you might want to sit your guys because you, you understand, you know, being fresh is probably – uh, the the most important thing, but you're the Buffalo Bills. You don't want to take a step back. You want to play your guys uh, at least a half, you know, to keep that momentum rolling. So I think each team kind of played that, you know, you know, looking at their individual teams and understanding what their teams needed. I think they 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 did that. Uh, but for me personally, I always want to play. I always wanted to keep the gears turning because if I, I feel like once you turn it off, it's harder to start it back up again. So for me personally, I always wanted to play as much as possible. And I know football is a contact game. I like, am out there playing basketball, so injuries are a top of mind. And but I, I feel like for me personally, I would always want to keep playing, just keep the gears turning, keep that keep that game mode going, and and keep that uh, momentum going into the playoffs.
2: Natea Jay, uh, our Monday morning quarterback with us here on Sportsnet 650. I- I'll say this: the the one thing that really impresses me from a Buffalo standpoint is that that team has won six straight since they suffered that that heartbreaking loss to the Cardinals, right? That Kyler Murray, DeAndre Hopkins hail mary, and you know they went into a bye week like that could have stung, and they took that the other way, I- I- like the way that this team's rolled to go with six straight wins. And to lose in such an agonizing fashion in that game against the Cards. And it just seemed to make them better. Like, look, they've been absolutely laying the boots to teams here in the last three weeks. And and some of those divisional rivals, like what they did against Miami yesterday. Like, is there a team that dropped the ball more yesterday than the Miami Dolphins? And I say that even over what? The Dallas Cowboys? Like, the Dolphins screwed up big time yesterday.
5: They did. And no, to go back to your previous point about Buffalo, it really could have been 10 straight wins, right? Because they won three games prior to that. So yeah. they've been on a run, unbelievably unbelievable run for them. But Miami, I, I am shocked at what happened with the Miami. And I know they didn't have their closer in Ryan Fitzpatrick uh, to you know, to kind of close out the game. But this is why you drafted two of fifth overall, you know, to win you games like this. And I know their offense uh, philosophy hasn't been, you know, vertical. They've been kind of horizontal, you know, side to side, game managing. But this is the time you, you have everything to play for right now. Buffalo is literally playing their backups after halftime. Like you – you, it says a lot about, you know, the, the Miami Dolphins. and It wasn't pretty. They, they got blown out in a game that they should have won, uh, given the, that Buffalo had nothing to play for. And they just – indicative of what's going on there but I, I, they have such a good coaching staff you know they have to cons- I think they have to consider what they're going to do in the draft you know with Tua and I'm a big Tua fan but you know they're probably never going to have a third overall pick again they're going to be a good team for a long time and you know they got the this is why they play Tua because they want to know if he was going to be the guy right so he didn't have the weapons that he had in Alabama and I understand that the offensive philosophy was different than it was in Alabama it was different than what he was used to uh but they 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 gotta be asking questions right now if, if he's gonna be the guy and what they're gonna do in the draft and which which is a shock. Uh, Justin Herbert yeah, too, right? I,
3: I, I think they have I still think too against the season, but you can't be asking that the way you built it around it. I would have said Nate, I would have said this uh, from weeks one through thirteen. I'll take the Rams over the Seahawks every day for the first thirteen weeks. I won't anymore. Um, Is it just how much does it help a team for Seattle to struggle like they did yesterday against a good uh, Robert Sala defense, but figure it out in the fourth, like Russell always figures it out and have their defense play as well as they are? Do you like where the Seahawks are as they get set for the Rams next
5: week? Yeah, the Seahawks are an interesting team because when the season started out, it was let Russ cook and the defense is gonna do whatever the defense did, but right? it wasn't impressive, right? But it's kind of flipped where the defense is kind of keeping the team in games and Russell is, is kind of you know been you know subpar you know the later half of the season and, and out of the MVP race, but he's kind of had to you know come through in the fourth quarter here in the in the past few games. So I like that more because Russell I have more faith in Russell figuring it out as you know and the offense figuring it out and getting rhythm as they go on than having the defense have to figure it out, right? The defense, if the defense can be stout and keep them in games, I have so much faith that they can go far in these playoffs. And that was always the question, right? Defense and and the ability to run the ball. And those are two things that you need in in the playoffs. And they seem to have that, you know, figured out enough where if they can just get Russell and the offense clicking and having more rhythm, uh, you know, the sky's the limit here. Because uh, other than Green Bay, I I think the uh, the NFC is is up for grabs.
2: Well, see... When I look at the NFC, I don't think anybody's touching Green Bay. I mean, I, I think you can always say, you can make a case that, hey, you got a shot with Russ. Uh, defensively, the Seahawks have like, completely turned things around the back half of the season. But, you know, Nate, I, I don't fully trust. I feel like the Saints, when you get to the playoffs, they will find a way or, or somehow they, you know, Amir gets broken before they play a playoff game because there's always bad luck with the Saints based on recent history. Uh, you look at the bottom end in terms of, like, you know, the Bears got into the play. The Bears lost six games straight at one point this year. Their season's on the line yesterday, and they, they get absolutely throttled by Green Bay yesterday. Trubisky, as much better as he's played, is still good for one bad pick a game. You know, Washington, uh, it, there's a remarkable story with what they've been able to do with Ron Rivera and his cancer treatment over the course of the season. But, like, Washington's not a threat. Chicago's no. not a threat. I mean, those are two of your teams that are in the playoffs. I mean, it's I to me, it's Green Bay, maybe an outside shot with Seattle, but I don't think any. And, and honestly, I don't trust Tom, Tom Brady in the trash. Bucks. No, I, I honestly like they're going to have to play in some cold weather. And and at this stage of the game with Tom Brady, I like the the Bucks seem too finicky for me. I think it's Green Bay and nobody else in the NFC.
5: Yeah, you know, and I'll put the Rams in there as a team that you know is kind of finicky too because they got a quarterback whose thumb is finicky, right? You don't know if you don't trust him them, don't and, trust and, them, and what's going to happen with that. And you know, the Bucs, you know, you know, to their credit, they get to the play of the, of the Washington football team their first game, right? So they get to keep their hot streak going, and, and who knows after that, but you know, right, you, they have to play in cold weather, and you know, you know, hot warm weather teams going up to play cold weather teams, it never goes well. The Saints, something always happens every year. Other than their Super Bowl year in 2006, something always happens where, you know, they kind of fall off. So I'm with you there with Green Bay is the, the team to beat. But I want to see what, what 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 Seattle is able to do because they have the makings of a team that can go into Green Bay, right, and, and win. But we saw what happened last year. But I want it's a whole new year. You know, DK's on another level. The defense is on another level. I want to see what, what will happen in that situation. But I, I still won't pick anyone over Green Bay, not this year.
3: No, I like Green Bay, you know, and I don't want to say the Chiefs. I think Buffalo might do something in the FC. Hey, before we let you go, what does it do? You're talking about Seattle. You're talking about the receivers. We were talking earlier. Russell Wilson, rather than taking the knee or running it, throws it out to David Moore for his 35th reception and a $100,000 bonus. Yes. I, what does that do for the team and the receiver?
5: That's – honestly, that's uh... – I can't put it words into, I can't put it to words. It's, it's an amazing thing because, you know, we saw that three times yesterday. Okay. So the, the Tampa Bay, right. Uh, AB needs 11 catches, right. And they get it to him. The last drive, they give him three shovel passes and he gets a 250 $1,000 bonus. David Moore, You know, gets a shovel pass, gets a $100,000 bonus. Um, uh, Emmanuel Sanders, you know, in these eight catches, you know, in the last, I think, in the fourth quarter, Sean Payton calls a couple plays for him. He gets it on the second play that he called for him. He gets a 500 k bonus to hit 60 catches, right? That's something that, you know, teams, they don't have to do that, right? They're obviously going to lose money but it, head coaches that are aware of that and want to take care of their players, it says a lot about, you know, the head coach. It says because he knows that the you know the guys are working harder than they deserve it, right? So you know, it, it, it makes the player want to run through a wall for your coach, run through a wall for your team because it shows your team cares. because they don't have to do that, right? That's in their contract. They don't have to do that. I've seen situations where, you know, teams will, will sit a guy so they don't hit bonuses. So when guys are able to hit their bonuses because the team is aware and they, they want to take care of their players, it, it just, it means so much warmth, and it makes you want to run through a wall for your coach and your organization, and it just it's just good faith right there. You'd love to see that. I'm choking up, man. <laughs>
2: <laughs> you just want to get paid. That's all. I get it. Uh, <laughs> uh, hey, listen, uh, we'll do this again next week, but uh, bring on the playoffs, man. Some great matchups next week, and uh, we'll do it all over again next Monday.
5: Fantastic. Hope you guys have a great New Year, and I'll talk to you next week. Let's go.
2: Natea J. from the All Ball Podcast. Uh, our Monday morning quarterback here on Sportsnet 650 in pair. It is a new year, but one constant that we remain here at 720. Weekday mornings here on the starting lineup, buddy.
3: Well, the Budger's here. Uh, she comes in to tell us everything uh, at 720 every morning.
6: Can I mention it's 721? <laughs>
3: Yeah, well, something's never changed. We're not going to be on
6: time on Yeah, thought. no, that's true. That is true. That is so true. Happy New Year, boys. Happy, Happy. New Year. How are you? Fine. How are you? I'm good, man. Hey, do, like, do you like the Hammonick uh, pickup here for the Canucks, or what? Eh, it's fine. It's fine. I'm always one of those people that, like, let's see. Let's see. I want to okay. see how things go. Signing right. things doesn't make any difference. Hater. Hater. Oh, okay, all right. I didn't say no. I didn't say no. I just said, let's see. That's okay. all. Yeah. That's well, all. they're
3: doing something, right?
6: Yeah, so you kind of have to. We lost a couple people over the, <laughs> the summer.
3: the Premier helping them out, saying they can do everything, or is that just a little pure? I mean, you knew it was happening, didn't there? What what was his, hey, thumbs up, Canucks, you can have training camp. Here.
6: No, we knew it was happening, because when we asked Adrian Dix about it last week, he was being all, like, sketchy about it. Like, ooh, I, you know, I can't say, but ooh, I don't know. And it was like, so it's happening, you just won't say it, you're going to let your boss do it. So then that's exactly what happened. So yesterday, John Horgan tweeted that, yes, the Canucks can play at home, yes they can play in Vancouver and we're like great so now we'll get those details from Dr. Bonnie Henry this afternoon because one of the things that John Horgan's tweet mentioned was that there will be enhanced safety measures what that means is my guess is it'll be like what we saw in the hub city over the summer with the playoffs which will be uh you know more testing I don't know probably daily testing and I think the real test is going to be when the Habs come to town in a couple weeks how's that going to work it's one thing when we travel. I you know, you know, we're starting the, the season in uh, um, in in Edmonton, Edmonton, I believe, and then we're we'll going to Calgary for two games for a back to back, and that's fine. But when teams come here, what is that going to look like?
2: Yeah, that's valid, and especially any team from Ontario. That is, they just announced this morning that uh, 3,200 new uh, COVID cases. They're uh, fine. It's <laughs> fine. It's totally well, fine. Hey, hey, tell me. So, so give <laughs> me a sense. So, I guess Dr. Bonnie will touch base. Uh, uh, what later on this morning? The restrictions are still in place until Friday, at least, for yeah. what we've kind of been living in for the last little while. Is this is month, Is today kind of the first indication of what we've kind of what what how people were behaving at Christmas?
6: Yeah, we'll get a pretty decent idea based on what the numbers will look like over the last three days, whether people actually broke the rules on Christmas, which is now over a week from now. And the reason is, is because if you were at a family gathering on the 24th, 25th, perhaps 26th, within five to seven days, you will start to feel symptoms if you get it, if you have it. And then that's when people go get tested. So the data that we should get back from Christmas, we should have an idea by today-ish that yes, perhaps people didn't follow the rules and we saw that because we saw people having that you know there's that maskless event to sell to celebrate i'm using air quotes new year's downtown and we had a bunch of private parties broken up and it's like are we not getting it (laughs) i don't get it (laughs) we've been talking about this for a year so uh and then we won't get an idea of new year's for another week or so so if the numbers are high ish it means people didn't listen
3: well, and the, the rules were pretty simple, right? You you had to keep your gatherings to a uh, uh, limit. Your household. Uh, only those under your house. Unless you were yeah. in MLA in Alberta, then you were allowed to travel, Ooh. but no farther than <laughs> an eight or nine hour flight, I'm guessing, right?
6: That's right. It's like, fine to go to Hawaii. Guys, yeah. right? <laughs> oh, my gosh. It's like, and it wasn't just one. It's one if it's like, oh, okay, it's one or two. Oh. Eight, nine, <laughs> ten. It's like, what? Oh, my God. So we have two liberal MPs who have stepped down because they're like, oh, yeah, I left the country. And it is. It's very much the mentality that, you know, do as I say, but not as I do. And it it's, you know, it's pissing a lot of people off because you should be setting the example. Sure. You're telling us what to do. And very much so, like, and I understand for a lot of a couple of these politicians, they said, you know, well, we lost someone in the family. So we were grieving together. Do you know how many people have lost someone in the last exactly. year? Exactly. You are not the only one who is being affected by this. You don't have the right to go above and beyond to use your your position to be able to do whatever you want and to break these rules when people who have lost a loved one are you know, mourning quietly on their own because they can't do anything about it. Like, Think about that for a minute. As soon as we started seeing all these reports, it was such a piss off, and I get it. We've actually reached out to every cabinet minister in B.C., And to the Liberals, as of right now, the NDP says no one has left the country since March of last year. I now say last year. That's weird. Um, So as of now, we don't have any reports of this happening in B.C., but Alberta's a mess. And uh, two Liberal MPs, yeah, had to step down.
2: I'm sorry, but if you're an elected official and and you blatantly (laughs) break rules like that and, and just that disrespectful... You, know, you you should lose your position. I agree with that. Exactly. I'm surprised Jason yeah, Kenney exactly.
6: hasn't fired people. Do it. Just do it. Uh, Just pull the no, trigger I mean, and be like, yeah, well, I have to. I have you know, to. Because his is- flight
3: was probably canceled because he was planning to leave too. Oh. <laughs>
6: right?
3: you, no, honestly, I walked Slots by someone twist. about a week ago that was tanned, and it pissed oh, me off.
2: Dude, he's, he's, got a, he's got a suite at the World Juniors uh, later on today against Canada and Russia. Come on. Oh, Come on. He's, got, he's not missing that game. Uh, thanks, Sonia. We'll to do it again tomorrow. Thanks, guys. All right. Uh, there she is. Sonia Asm from News 1130 just down the hall with the latest uh, on that. And uh, coming up uh, in just a moment, uh, Canucks back on the ice later on this morning. Lots of other things happening around the National Hockey League as well. Let's dive into the Canucks. Travis Hamanick, we'll get into that, plus Corey Hirsch dropping by at 8 o'clock on our Canucks Commute Sportsnet 650 Hockey Analyst and the agent for Travis Hamanick, Kevin Epp, at 8.30. It's all happening right here on your home of the Canucks Sportsnet 650.
1: You know, he's a veteran guy that's been in the league a while, but has played a lot of hard minutes. Uh, minutes that go unnoticed. The schedule, you're going to need... You're going to need depth uh, and from the coaching standpoint we're excited that he's coming to count.
0: now more of the starting lineup with james zabulski and perry solkowski on sportsnet 650.
2: 732. there's travis green the head coach of the vancouver canucks on uh, the canucks uh, latest addition uh, to their roster for training camp travis hammock uh, joining the team on a pto uh, he will have a, a one-week quarantine and then uh, get on the ice uh, next week, uh, hopefully in time for the uh, start of the season, with the puck drops pair nine days from today. Canucks' first game of the regular season, January 13th. So it's an eight-day camp that kicks off later on this morning with uh, two on-ice sessions, and then uh, they'll do it for real against the Oilers in Edmonton back-to-back nights on the 13th and 14th, and what, nine days from now.
3: Yeah, so what do you do? Um, You know, Travis was asked yesterday, say, how do you approach the camp? When you were getting set for the bubble, you were working off what you had done in the regular season, and Travis had said the coaches changed and tweaked some things, and as everyone will remember, defensively the Canucks were better when they got into the bubble in Edmonton. So what do you do now for a a Brogan Rafferty, for a Jack Rathbone, for for everyone getting set? Nate Schmidt, here's how we play our system. It's condensed. I'm curious as to whether that means the hockey we will see beginning next Wednesday is, is 7-5 hockey or one nothing sloppy hockey. But at the end of the day, with so few games, man, you can't get into a rut. You can't take that month to figure it all out. If you have a bad January. Um, it's going to be so difficult. And, and there's no easy – I mean, listen, when's the last time an NHL player and or coach – taking on a team that hadn't won in 15 games. ago, go, you know, is this one? No, every team is good. No, legitimately, every team is good you're going to see on the schedule. Fascinating to see who comes out of the gate ready to go.
2: You're right. I mean, the fact that there's no exhibition games, I think it has a huge impact. I, I think the teams that ultimately have built-in chemistry, teams that didn't have a lot of turnover in the offseason, they'll benefit. Right? Uh, you touched on, look, I think there'll be an adjustment period for the Canucks. I mean, look at that back end, right? I mean, you got Nate mm-hmm. Schmidt coming into the fold. How does he adjust? You know, you've got Travis Hammondick, who, you know, he may not play the first few games to start the season as he gets acclimated to the roster. And considering he hasn't played in almost a full year, he hasn't played since February of last year. So, um yeah, it could be a little greasy. It could be a little sloppy once things get up and running and the puck drops next week. You know, you you look at what's happening in in Toronto as they announced yesterday that Joe Thornton will play on a line with Austin Matthews and Mitch Marner pair. Um you know, I think you've got some veterans that, you know, guys who are familiar who can step in and plug and play, but I think, you know, to find chemistry, you know, understanding tendencies that's going to take time for teams that made significant changes, you know. And Yeah, and I so think you would
3: think there. with this logic, the Montreal Canadiens, and I like all the changes they made, but yeah. every time a line jumps over the boards, it's going to be something different. So in that mind, I might look at the Calgary Flames, and you know, their biggest change is probably the one that's easiest. Hey, if you don't have to pull your, the puck out of the net because of the guy that you've acquired yeah. for your $6 million, right? Doesn't that mean the Flames, basically, what they're throwing over? And it's not like Chris Tanev is a guy who's taking any green lights. You go, okay, he'll he'll keep it simple. So they're two big acquisitions. um, Might be the two guys that are the easiest because, A, one's a goalie and the other one's just going to stay at home anyways, right? So uh, I I would think, logically, you would favor a team like that where the major changes were the ones that are the easiest to adapt to, and that's a goalie and a stay-at-home defenseman.
2: How about one of the stories over the weekend uh, that Pierre-Luc Dubois wants out of Columbus? You know, he he agrees to a, a two-year deal worth $10 million, but here's a guy with a third overall pick in 2016. And, um, you know, and the talent... I mean, this was a guy that Jim Benning was pretty sweet on, right? That they were hoping that would have been there for them that had he dropped to five instead of taking Ole Olevi, And, uh, you know, there was talk that they would have moved uh, that, that possible... Uh, you know, and then there was also some talk that he might they might have moved that pick in, in possibility for P.K. Subban at the time. Um, but, you know, Pierre-Luc Dubois and, you know, wanting out, I mean, for a young, talented player, why everybody seems to want it. Man, all that momentum, all that goodwill that the Jackets had after shocking and slaying the, the lightning, what, in 2019, sweeping them in the first round of the playoffs. Is that dead and gone now? Because those negotiations obviously did not go well for when you've got a guy who should be your franchise forward, your franchise center for years to come. And now there's a sense that he wants out already at such a young age.
3: Yeah, and, and they gambled and they won essentially by putting together the year they did last year. And, and to me, he was such a showcase of how he played. And you just go, man, this, this guy's next level as far as talent, his strength, and how he played in the bubble out in Toronto. Um, but, and I, I don't think you can put the genie back in the bottle, right? When you start talking about, Hmm, you know, I want out now, everybody knows, and maybe you can go play. It's not like an Oliver Ekman Larson going, Hey, if you're going to move me, here's my choices. Mm -hmm. But when you get that deal and it'll be interesting too, there's reports, you know, the Islanders will take to the ice. Barzell's name is there, you know, here are these young players. I mean, we've talked about it a lot, but you think of the timing. And how timing means everything, especially when it comes to contract negotiations. And Dubois gets his money and, and Marner gets his a year early. And you just go, man, you're not in that category. So, you know, Matt Barzell is a guy who's been thinking for the last year he was going to cash in. It doesn't look like that's going to be the case with Sweet Lou. And maybe it's the power, right? The, the shift of the payroll goes to guys that have entry-level contracts. And when they sign it, I mean, we've got the same thing going on with Winnipeg, with Patrick Liney You start barking, and you start barking on social media. You know, tell me which guy has said, I don't want to be a part of the team, and the team holds in there for three or four years. It just doesn't happen anymore.
2: Well, you know, you say what you will, and and we all kind of raised eyebrows when the Leafs went all in to sign both Marner and Matthews, right? And, And the money that those guys got. And, you know, obviously that seems to impact that team from a financial standpoint with a flat cap, but they've still been able to be creative to bring in veteran guys, to bring in bodies and, and on one year deals and, and, you know, getting Joe Thornton for next to nothing, getting Wayne Simmons for next to nothing, getting, uh, you know, Jason Spezza to continue to play for next to nothing, right. You know, guys who can still contribute and to make it work. But, you know, those guys got paid early and now, you look at some of the deals that are getting done, you know, you look at Dubois situation, like you got labor peace with your players and your franchise players, keeping them happy, right? Would you rather the situation with Marner and Matthews right now in Toronto, or would you rather the one where you've got a disgruntled employee like Pierre-Luc Dubois, who should be your franchise piece for years to come, right? Like that's, you know, Marino signs yesterday in Pittsburgh. Like, you know, this bars, like, like my point is this, is Barzell going to sign a long-term deal with the Islanders? To me, absolutely not. Yeah. I think you're going to look for yeah. a short-term deal here until you get a better sense of what the financial landscape is going to look like for both sides. I think that's the reality here. And so for now, he'll probably take a shorter-term
3: deal. And that's a tough mindset. If you've been looking at the Marner deals and going, I should be somewhere in that neighborhood and should be, hey, they all should be set for life. You signed yourself a two-year deal that pays you $10 million. Do wash should be okay. But that's not the, you know, some people get it and some don't. So if your expectations were so high and you don't get it and you decide to look at that it's the team who's the enemy and not the economics of the world we're in right now, uh, that becomes difficult. I think Travis Hamanek is a guy who goes, hey, this, this is the best it'll be for me. This fits all the bills. But here's a guy who's been playing in the NHL for a long time. So when all of a sudden younger guys are getting these opportunities, you know, it's I felt OK with 28, 30 year olds going, hey, they're going to get paid for what they've done. And now if your attitude of your star player is that's all you're giving me, I don't want to play here anymore. And, hey, he's watched watched it go. He's watched his teammates, the superstars, leave last Mm -hmm. year. Uh, And maybe he talks to them and goes, it'll be different. You know, great Columbus is a great fan base, but if you're a hockey player, maybe that's not where you want to be. But I hope we don't get into a situation where the NHL becomes the have and the (laughs) have-nots, and if you don't like it, you can become like an NBA player or, you know, an NFL player. And start to chirp a little bit, and hopefully that gets you moved. Because well, you know we've been talking p- about Russell Wilson and a hundred thousand dollars by throwing the pass to David Moore. What does it do for the teammates when you get to the locker room and the, you know the guy doesn't want to be here? Well, I, I mean, that's, big, that's, but that's sports,
2: okay. right? Like you know, the, the National Football League's operated that way for for forever, right? And and guys but get paid. But it's not paid, the and NHL
3: think... though, James. Right? The NHL's not really like that. Where guys but it really does. sour.
2: But it does like i but I don't think I don't think you're necessarily looking at guys getting disgruntled, but guys get paid, and guys don't right there's fourth line players yep. there's top line players you know you, like i'm I'm fascinated to see what's going to happen in the summer with what the Canucks are going to do with both Pedersen and Hughes contract, right, like you saw Marino yesterday who just re-upped a six year extension at a nice four point four million dollar cap hit that's well, that's basically one year coming off a rookie year who had a great, like you talk about a late bloomer, right? They picked him up Mm -hmm. for a sixth round pick from Edmonton a year and a half ago. And he goes on and has a great rookie year. Now, you know, they're not going to get Quinn Hughes at at a number like that, but you know, I'm just, do the Canucks try to avoid any sort of, you know, nitpicking and just say, look, these are our franchise players. We are going to commit to these guys long-term, or are we going to see a pushing back and forth like we saw from a Brock Besser that kind of got long and drawn out over the course of the summer and ultimately coming in at a nice number for the Canucks on a, on a short-term sort of bridge deal? You know, I, I'm just absolutely fascinated to see what the landscape's going to look like because of what they've got in Pettersson and Hughes. I think with Pettersson, you know you've got a franchise player. Just pay the man. But they talked about it yesterday at the news conference, right? Both Travis Green and Jim Benning. You know, and as much as ben, Benning had kind of said, look, we, we've been able to operate business as usual here. Um, but, you know, the financial landscape has impacted Travis Green getting a contract
3: extension. Mm-hmm. I, I think, again, it will be based on relationships that they have. I mean, are the agents and the players going to be greedy? and say, give me as much as, you know, take the highest paid player? Or are they going to be logical and realize, okay, we played most of the season, if not all of it, with no fans in the seats. It does look hopeful by when we start in October, you will have people, but I understand you've been losing money for two years. So let's do something short-term, and when this thing expires, I'm going to be one of the best players in the NHL, and then be prepared to pay the piper three years from now. And by the time you do that, at that point, you would hope you were legi- a legitimate Stanley Cup contender. It depends. Like, it depends on greed. Go back to, to Brendan Shanahan of the older guys, right? You know, we, we took some hits. The Sedins took some hits to stay here. Alex Sedler's taken hits to stay here. Uh, you know, and I, I think that kind of speaks to what you've built with the team. So I would be shocked, but, but at the same time, they're not going to go. Hey, I'm going to leave. These kids want their the worth. The,
2: you know, the the young players want their worth. They want to get paid, and and rightly so. I mean, uh, you know, Elias Pettersson gives this market hope for the first time in a long time. You know, he deserves to get paid. And what that number is going to look like will probably dictate on what he does this upcoming season. But per, Alex Petrangelo got paid in a big way by the Vegas Golden Knights this past summer, right? Or, or this past at 30 fall. thirty years old. Yeah, but you know he got paid. Like, there's still money there to be like, if if Austin or if Connor McDavid was a free agent right now, would there be any issue that he would be getting paid, or would the Oilers be talking? Well, we got to watch our our butt. You know,
3: no, I realize yeah. that. But what are your options, right? At some point, too, uh, you know, are you going to sit out? How much did we go through the Mitch Marner? Oh, he's a Toronto boy, though. You know, he doesn't want to leave, and the landscape was different there. I'm not going to say they are coming in and they're they're making a discount. I'm just thinking. I don't know if it's that long five, six-year, seven-year deal. I think they might they're, go, hey, here's, here's best for us, and yeah. that may help out the situation with this team as they move forward, and they'll, they'll get theirs. At the end of their careers, we will never look at Quinn, Quinn Hughes and, and, and Pedersen going, boy, they, you know, they really didn't get what they're worth. They'll get what they're worth. It's just whether you're tying it up wow. long-term in the next contract or you're, you're going a little with the bridge.
2: Hey, the, the start of this conversation, Pierre-Luc Dubois, you got a disgruntled employee now in Columbus and what's the end game for a young player's future in the Buckeye state, right? Did the Canucks want to deal with that? Do they even want to dare go down that road? Uh, don't with Hughes put, or don't Pedersen? say they the same. Hell of no. You don't want to go near that. Right. I mean, that's, and you've got a blueprint right there to say, okay, like we want to be mindful with our contract discussions, but we do not want to upset the apple cart. hundred percent. You want to maintain labor, but you want to, peaceful, harmony. the face that runs the place. Man, the last thing you want for the Canucks is to upset Elias Pettersson and leave the hard feelings, right? I think it's simple as that.
3: Exactly, but it depends on the player, right? It depends on the player. There are different guys who say, I'm all about the money, and guys going to just treat me fairly, and that's what it's about, I think that's what the Canucks will hope they have in Hughes and Pettersson. Their agents won't be that way, but, you know, so Dubois goes, okay, hey, if he really didn't like that deal, then don't sign it. Then sit and sulk. But you signed it and that's the situation. And when I saw the number go, that's not bad. It'll make the team better. But all of a sudden you sign it and you want out then. Okay. What if you dump for that organization? You've kind of given them the middle finger and now everybody in NHL will be kicking the tires and you'll leave. But what's it do for the franchise says a little bit more about the player than it does about the money he's been getting.
2: Uh, Dunbar Lumber text line is uh, hopping at 6.50, 6.50. We'll get to some of those. A reminder, this hour is a presentation of Dunbar Lumber, the smart alternative. Visit Dunbar Lumber on Bridge Street in Ladner, Arbuter Street in Vancouver, and you can check them out online at dunbarlumber.com. Our Canucks commute coming your way at 8 o'clock. Man, it is nice to not be talking COVID, just talking contracts and transactions and what teams are going to look like for this upcoming season. We'll get to all of it with Corey Hirsch at 8. Kevin Epp, Travis Hamanick's agent is going to join us at 8.30. It's all happening here on your home of Vancouver hockey, Sportsnet 650. Hey. Man, Steph just Steph is running into the front court. Draymond <laughs> finds him be- another three. Oh. Got it.
0: Sixty two. Sixty two. He surpasses his buddy, Clay Thompson. This is the starting lineup with James sabolski and Perry Solkowski on Sportsnet
2: 650. Wow. Steph Curry's yeah. back, right? All the problems. Hey, can he find his stroke? Can he find his groove again? Career high 62 last night as the Warriors beat the Blazers 137-22. Perry, how about this? Damian Lillard had a solid night with 32 points for Portland. And C.J. McCollum had another productive night with 28, and Steph outscored both of them.
3: The best video that went around was it last week when Steph dropped 103 from the corner in a row, and then Steve Kerr was asked about it. He goes, "We should be bearing down, (laughs) bear down. What 103? Like, you know, he's got to work a little harder and get get more out of himself." Right. It was phenomenal video. And there that he has it done. Hey, I, I liked a lot of people didn't like the Golden State Warriors for what they had and KD coming over there and getting it. I've always been a Steph Curry fan. I like what he's been about. Uh I think he only had four assists though yesterday, man. He just took it and just hit. So we'll see. How about how about the uh we the north though? My goodness gracious. Good thing the Leafs are starting and there's Blue Jay talk, because right now what's going on with the Raptors? not the start that they wanted in Pascal's situation.
2: Well, Siakam gets benched already. Um, There's a team – well, hey, look, they took some hits in the offseason, right? You you lost Gasol. You lost Ibaka. You know, Kyle Lowry's in his mid-30s now. You know, I think there was a reason why there was a lot of hope that maybe Giannis wouldn't sign that Supermax extension in Milwaukee hoping that he might fly here, and uh, that's not happening. Uh, 650-650 is the Dunbar-Lumber text line. Uh, People jumping in uh, on the conversation here. Um, You know, somebody already asking, you know, Dubois, Petey, and Miller, you know, Petey to the wing, what would it take to get Dubois here? That's Sean from Waterloo asking that this morning at 650-650. I mean, uh, the price point for somebody like Pierre-Luc Dubois look, I mean, I think the reality is you'd have probably at least 25 other teams that would be interested in trying to get mm-hmm. a player like that. You know, you'd be set in the middle as your number one for years to come. Per I think you'd be looking at probably the price tag. You'd be looking, at. I would think that the ask on the other end would be Hughes, Bow. you know, I, I don't think Besser would do it unless you were offering up a hell of a lot more beyond that if it was, you know, a Besser, a Pod and you know, a first or something along those lines. But, you know, you'd be giving up major, major assets to land somebody like Pierre-Luc Dubois.
3: Yeah, and Yarmulke Kekulana doesn't suffer fools. I mean, he knows what he has there. Um, and if the teammates are going to deal with it, he'll make that trade when he sees something coming back. But, boy, you're right. You're, you're talking about, you know, one of the top young talents in the NHL. It's it's great to play the fantasy game of plugging them into a conx lineup, because then you're going, holy smokes, but you're not plugging him in. There are, you know, there's about four teams that just don't have the money to do it. Uh, but right now at five, he's a great fit and is a game changer for any team. Just don't see how the Canucks are that team right now. I think he wants a big stage. He's seen what's going on. He'll he'll take the Florida, less taxes. He'll take the New York. But guess what? They're not taking a deal. and The GM is not taking a deal until it sits for him. And if that means Dubois has to sulk a little bit, Tortorella said, we'll make sure we we'll figure it out in the dressing room and then we'll go play and he'll get his deal when it comes. But it's going to be a fascinating story to watch to see what happens with him before this season is done. Because right now, you made a trade for an American player. You still got to wait two weeks. A lot of other issues. Two weeks is going to be what, 10 games?
2: Yeah, the, I mean the quarantine. Uh, well, I mean, I mean two weeks. That's a significant chunk of the season, you know, based yeah. on you know a That's regular season that 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 drops the puck in what nine days from now. Uh, all right, four minutes to eight o'clock here on this Monday morning. He's Perry Solkowski. I'm James Sobalski. It is the starting lineup here on your home of the Canucks Sportsnet 650, and your Canucks commute is next with Olympic silver medalist and our Sportsnet 650 hockey analyst Corey Hirsch next right here on Sportsnet 650.
0: A Cup of Joe and the Canuck Commute.
1: It's going to be an exciting year this year. Playing this Canadian division uh, is going to be tough. All the Canadian teams are are real good teams. So we're looking forward to the challenge of improving, getting better, being competitive, and continue to grow
0: our young players. A five-star morning on the starting lineup.
2: All right, 8 o'clock, hour number three. What's going on, boys and girls? James Sobalski, Perry Solkowski, happy new year. Thank you so much for joining us. Hockey is back. Canucks on the ice in just a couple of hours here. Uh, they'll have two group sessions uh, this morning. And uh, Travis Green ready to uh, put the boots to them and get them uh, in the tip-top gear. Eight days of camp here, pair, and then they'll do it for real on January 13th against the Edmonton Oilers. But they have a new toy to work with as they land Travis Hamanick on a uh, part-time, uh, a professional tryout. He he needs to go through quarantine for a week before jumping into the roster uh, here in a week from now. But, man, another strong depth move for the Vancouver Canucks. I like what he brings to the table.
3: Jim Benning, a little bit of a poker player, right? You wondered. You take the first 48 hours of free agency when it happened. You go, oh, my goodness. He can't spend any money. And then all of a sudden, Stetcher goes to Foley, goes, everything's happening. Then Nate Schmidt, late that Sunday night, and then you you pick up a, you know, uh, Chase Herlack, and you're going, all right, so maybe they're doing something, but not enough. And then all of a sudden, uh, you come up with the Travis PTO, which means he'll come. He's got a quarantine for seven days. Michael Furlan looks like that contract will have to go to long-term injury, which means there's your money. And I'm telling you, some people are debating back and forth. How did the blue line get better? You, I mean, I understand the love affair of Troy Stetcher and for, for Chris Tanniff, but you've replaced them with Hamannick, who can be a saw-off with, with Chris Tanniff, and with Nate Schmidt, who, again, like last year, I was on the wait till you see J.T. Miller train. Well, wait till Nate Schmidt does. Your blue line is better than it was last year. It's as simple as that. And if the blue line's better, not that is going to be a puck mover or anything. You know, it tends to reason that you'll be okay there. The void... To me, remains on the right side, but someone fills that void. I think this hockey team got a lot better and a lot deeper with that signing yesterday.
2: Uh, you look at that blue line. Uh, we'll talk to Corey Hirsch here coming up, our Sportsnet six fifty hockey analyst, uh, who will join us and uh, and get a sense of where where you ultimately envision him slotting in. Like, I mean, on, on the surface of it, I know we've talked a lot about, you know, Nate Schmidt and Quinn Hughes possibly being a tandem together, but. Pair. I, I mean, wouldn't do that with with, with two riverboat Ham- gamblers.
3: You got to keep those guys separate.
2: Well, I, I just I wonder in the sense that y- you look at Hamonic and his style of game. You know, to to just be that sort of blue collar, workman like you know, just do that dirty work. To play him alongside a Quinn Hughes
3: might That's check the boxes do.
2: in terms of what you saw from Chris Tan playing alongside the mighty Quinn last year.
3: I think that's, to to me, the obvious spot because Tyler Myers likes to take chances, right? So you've got two right-handed shooting defensemen. I don't think you want Nate Schmidt there because you want to have two sets of D who are going to, you know, one of them is going to be a go-getter. Look at how we talked about Luke Shen a year and a half ago going, hey, you know what? He can play with a guy like Quinn Hughes. So you bring a guy like Hammond in and just say, hey, that kid's going to take off. Let him go. Sit back here. We need you to block some shots. need you to rub some guys out along the boards. We might be getting into a few things. We know you don't mind dropping the gloves. Quinn, go ahead. Do your thing. I mean, it could be the perfect fit. And I would think when when Hammonick's looking at the options and he wanted to play close, you know, like you would with a winger going, hey, you might be playing with McDavid or you could be playing with Pedersen. You go, hey, you know what? You saw Quinn Hughes. We think he'd be a nice fit for him just to let him go and you'd be our stay-at-home D-man looking after thing. He'd probably go... Hey, that might prolong my career an awful long ways, and I would—that's how I would play it. Um, But we'll see. But the great thing is, James, there's there's five decent defensemen. You go, okay. What will the options look like?
2: Well, you know, where does Jordy Ben slot in? Um, What does this do with respect to? I'll I'll say this: The, the the two interpretations I look at this. One, I say. You know, they're obviously not fully confident in terms of using the kids as much as they were talking about doing this a month ago, right? You know, the idea that Ole Olevi was going to jump in and Jalen Chatfield was going to get a chance and Brogan Rafferty. You know, the fact that they're looking – you know, we talked to Jim Benning on this show a month ago, and he he kind of spoke about, hey, we're going to try to get younger here. We're going to continue to try to push the youth movement. Well, you just brought a a 30-year-old into camp, and I like the move. Right, I I think I think when you the, so in one breath I think to myself they don't trust the kids enough in terms of what they have in the prospect pool defensively, but at the same time I think they look at it in this year in a condensed year in a year that is going to be more of a sprint. You got Pedersen and Hughes on their ELCs for one more season here, pair. You know I I don't want to sit here and say that they're pushing their chips all in by bringing Travis Hamonic in. But suddenly, that blue line becomes one of the deepest in the North Division. And if if you ultimately get good goaltending, which you possibly could, I think there's major questions to be answered with both Demko and Holtby. But if you get goaltending that you hope you're going to get from that one-two punch, man, this team could be lights out in the North this year.
3: I, I, I still think a Rathbone, a, a Rafferty, and others, they hope that they play more hockey than Jordy Ben. But you don't want to push the kids. And we just said they got nine days they're playing hockey. So if nine days, you all of a sudden are a sixth, you know, a, a third pairing a six 5th D-man on an NHL team. You go, holy smokes. I hope he gets it. So what the Canucks did is they got some insurance policy and they can now continue to develop the kids and bring them along and hopefully play them 25-30 games rather than going, Ben, you better figure it out because if you're getting turnstile, we're not winning as many hockey games. Well, well I thought well, it was per, a brilliant the, move by Ben,
2: here's the, here's the other thing to think of. You know, you got a lot of these young guys who haven't played games in a very long time. And Mm -hmm. and Jim Benning was saying that they hope they hope that you or they expect that Utica is going to play. Right. And so do you keep these guys on your taxi squad and let them continue to practice and work out with the big club? Or do you want these guys playing games like when was the last time that Jack Rathbone played a game? of substance, right? I mean there's yeah. there's guys that you look at and you say from a young player like Jalen Chatfield for that matter, right? Yes, he, he you know, he had a good camp last summer. Olio Levy played one game for the Canucks and limited minutes at that in the playoffs, right? I think you want these guys playing games From the development of young players if these guys are part of your future as you say they are. I think you want them playing games. I don't know if it All makes sense. I think that taxi squad is going to be a
3: really tough conversation for some
2: I think a taxi squad is going to look like Sven Berchi and you know, uh, Louis Erickson, for that matter. I I, yeah. I, I don't know. I mean, Jordy, I mean, Jordy Pen is even.
3: Well, you defenseman. know, They can be in the 23, yeah. man. They're hanging around. But who do you keep? Because that's what you weigh in. How many games yeah. are you playing in Utica? Is it better for a Hoaglander to go there? Is it better for a Rathbone to go there? Or do you learn like Ole Olevy did, hanging out in the bubble and practicing? It's, it's, it's the same conversation we have after Game 10 every year with the top traffic going, Boy, does he does he hang around and play eight nine minutes in the NHL, or do you send him back to the junior where he's dominating already? What good does he get from it?
2: Uh-huh. I mean, I think if he's in the lineup, then he's if if he's in the lineup, then he's playing. Uh, you know, and even if limited minutes, but he's still playing in the National Hockey League. I think it's a different story if he's just sitting there practicing with the team on the day to day and not getting games in. Let's get our Sportsnet six fifty hockey analyst Corey Hirsch into the conversation. Happy New Year, sir. Corey?
3: Did we lose Hershey? Oh, well. That's it. Hershey, uh, I, you know what I want to hear from Hershey when we get him back? And you were just telling me you were uh, you were standing beside him. He's been the goalie coach for a few Canadian junior teams, hasn't he?
2: Uh, Corey, for...
3: Yes, yeah. he's been a goalie coach for yeah. a couple of Canadian junior teams, and I think was he was the goalie coach.
2: Really? He was the goalie coach when uh, Carey Price stole the show in the shootout against the U.S. in the semifinals of the 2007 World Juniors, and a handsome young reporter was standing next to him in uh in a, in a near empty building in lexand and there was no there was no covid there it was just not a lot of people at the game um <laughs> way back what uh hard to believe it's what 14 years ago when that uh, almost to the day when uh, Jonathan Tays and Kerry Price put on that show Jack Johnson putting on the show for the US and uh Man, what a memorable moment! Um, and standing next to Hershey, and I remember—I'll I'll, I'll let Hershey tell the story. If, uh, Hershey, are you there now, man? You got your mic working? No, okay. All right, well, then, uh, we've got—we've got no shortage of technical. I just heard, uh, team I just members,
3: heard a bang. So. That might have been Hershey. You heard a bang. Well, usually when Hershey, you kind of hear some rumbling, right? Okay, he must be there. We'll figure that out. Trying to get it on.
2: Well, anyway, the point is the story was this, like standing next to Hershey watching this shootout. And the two of us, you know, you're kind of watching the game, but it's, it's intense. you know. And, and I looked at Hershey and I'm like, man, like you were in a shootout for a gold medal game in the Olympics. How does this mm-hmm. compare? And he's like, this is way worse. This is way more agonizing in terms of where things sit right now. So uh, Canada up uh, against Russia later on this afternoon in the semifinals at the World Juniors, Vasily Podkolzin. And, and, and you know, Canada hasn't been tested just yet in this tournament. You know, I, I do wonder, does Russia finally provide that test? I think they will. But I, I, I always get a little nervous with a team that has yet to deal with adversity and now all of a sudden in a crunch time, how do they handle it, right? I mean, I go back to that, you know, World Juniors in 2004 pair, when uh, Marc-Andre Fleury and Team Canada, you know, young Sidney Crosby, they're up 3-1 against the U.S. in the third, and all of a sudden the Americans push back, and Canada just on their heels. And the next thing you know, it, Patrick O'Sullivan's got the game winner, and Canada blows a 3-1 lead and they lose 4-3, right? I mean, Canada up 3-0 nothing at the the World Juniors in the gold medal game against the uh, against Russia in 2011, right? All of a sudden Russia pushes back, and the next thing you know, it Canada gets spanked. And they give up, uh, you know, and they, and they blow the 3 nothing lead and they lose in that gold medal game. And that was agonizing with Dave Cameron coaching that team back in 2011. So um, we'll see. how Well, and of a year out. ago where
3: the Russians think they have it, Canada gets a break with a puck off the camera, right? Uh, you know, I think there's three Russian players from that team of last year, six Canadians. So, yeah, you know, you talk about it. And if you watched any college football and what Ohio State did to Clemson, those guys were waiting that long to get the rematch. I mean, that would probably be the sentiment in that rush room. Although Igor Larionov has a head coach, he's talked a little bit more about creativity from them. I don't know if there is much system oriented as they have been. It's a tournament that, to me, last week you are just going really. I, I don't need to see these score lines, but now uh, we've got two hockey games today where you you know you see the top four teams, you see some guys, and you know they're going to be stars in the NHL. But you are right; it's the amount of pressure that they have on them. You make that one mistake, it can come back to haunt you. And something that, that hockey fans in this country always remember going, oh, good or bad, when you can't make a mistake because it's expected that Canada should be fighting and winning all the time, as far as gold medals and World Junior tournaments concerned.
2: Happy New Year, Hershey.
7: I'm here. You know what? I, <laughs> I can see like, yeah. you guys. I could hear you guys. I was talking, and my microphone it kept muting and going. And it was, so it was like it was like one of those bad movies. <laughs> you know, where you're just like, you're trying to, or, or one of those, uh, you know where you're trying to scream What when you're
2: sleeping? A nightmare. It's a nightmare. Yeah. It happens in a nightmare. <laughs> you're just trying to scream for help, and you can't get anything
7: out. <laughs> you can't yeah. get anything out. It's the worst sort of. I was like, "Hey, I'm over here." Hey, you
2: can't scream. All you good. can't All scream good. for help in a nightmare. You can't run when somebody's chasing you. You, can, you, you move like molasses on a cold day, right? It's, it's another nightmare, no, Corey. The You're worst
7: was not being able to get one of my skates on or, or a goalie pad, and the game's starting. <laughs> Everyone's like, "And and I, no matter how many I, I'd be trying to tie my skate, I couldn't get it on." Right? You'd be like, "Or or your goal pads just didn't go on." It's yeah. Those were my nightmares.
3: I, I I don't know if you heard while well, we were we were getting old and we were figuring out the technical issues, but seaball talking about that shootout when you were yeah. the goalie coach for Team Canada and he was standing stand, he was standing beside. He said, "Man, you were a wreck." That's got to be the worst oh, when worse. you're dealing with these kids, so you care for them, and then they're in an opportunity and it's going to be a shootout, and you're kind of that guy. Like, how tough was that for you to watch that World Juniors?
7: You know what? It's it's easier being in one because at least you have some control. Like when you're just watching, it's like. It's like you know when when people get on the airplane and the door closes and the pilots are in control and you get people that are having like panic attacks because like they they you know they they are afraid of flying. That's what it's like. You, you're just sitting there. You're just sitting in a seat and you're just hoping that you can get from A to B. And it's so much easier when you're in control. So just yeah, watch it. The carry price was that was that was ridiculous. <laughs> it was ridiculous. That might be still one of the best games I've ever seen. Um, the one because uh the US had had a 5 on or a, a 4 on 3 or a 5 on 3 I can't remember what the rules were back then um, for like of almost a full 2 minutes and didn't score and it was it was Patrick Kane was one of the guys that yes. was uh, yes hey, and 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 uh, I think Jack Johnson just Jack unloading Johnson. Yeah. bombs from the blue line like and missing the net and just like it was ridiculous that they didn't score
2: well and and you know who was killing that 5 on 3 it was uh I, I mean it was uh Ryan, it was Ryan it was Mark Stall and Ryan Parent who was uh, who had a brief cup of coffee I think with the Vancouver Canucks never really kind of panned out but yeah you're right it was that lengthy 5 on 3 in the overtime and yeah um, and uh, yeah standing next to you you said it was way more agonizing than playing in that shootout against Forsberg and company uh because because you you couldn't you weren't you had no control of it you're just standing there helplessly watching
7: that that was the worst part, right? You have you have zero control. Like at least in the shootout that I was in, I mean, I had I, like you know, I I was like I said, you're you're the guy, right? At least you have some control over what's going on. It's just the worst to watch.
2: And, but and and Perry, look at look at Carey Price evolved into after those few weeks with
3: Corey Hirsch's Oh, it's it's amazing. Um, <laughs> hey, uh, you don't have control over who's going to show up in the dressing room. But how much better do the goalies and this Vancouver Canuck hockey team feel after knowing Travis Hamanek will show up next week uh, when he's through the quarantine?
7: Oh, uh, I think it's great. You know what? Not only this guy is one of the best people uh, in the game. This is a guy that uh, I believe he lost his dad years ago when he was younger.
3: At a young age. Yeah, when yeah. he was 10. So
7: he set up programs for kids to come to games that, that you know had lost their father in kind of the same situation. Like... And this is a guy that opted out I believe from the um, from the bubble just to be with his family right you know yeah. um, and this is the type of guy he is in the sense that I think you know I, he's got to figure it out like it's it's about family and it's about life and all that and um, and that doesn't mean that he he goes on the ice and doesn't you know this is also the guy that uh, took a beating from Eric Goodbranson to stand up for that hit um, when uh, I can't remember who it was was it, it was a Dubé that got crunched by uh, by someone on the Canucks. And then the next game, Hamnick went after, uh, you know, (laughs) after good Branson. And so this guy's a character guy, like this guy's a, a Western hockey leaguer through and through. Um, and, and he's a, he's a character. He's like a Sutter. He's like a Brandon Sutter in the sense of character, right? Like this, this guy, I I'm so excited that he's coming to the Canucks. Um, this is this is going to be amazing, and this makes them, you know, a few ba- a, a, a little bit further back. I did an interview where I said that the defensive play of the Canucks was going to be a struggle because they're they're very offensive minded and they go after pucks, and which is I love how Travis Green has him coached. But on the defensive side, you know, they 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 give up too much. This guy is going to be able to solidify that. I I think it's you know, they're this is this is a great move by the organization. I, I think they're they're. The, you know, they're a winger away from, from being a contender now.
2: Corey Hirsch here on Sportsnet 650. Um, where do you put him? Where do you, where do you put Hammonick? Uh Like, how do you, how would you deploy your defensive pairings if you had any say on this?
7: Yeah. So what is he, is he left or right side? I can't remember. Right,
2: right I, shot. He's right side. Right,
3: right side right shot. Hand
7: shot. I, I would think about putting him with Edler, um, you know, or, or even you put, you put him in your third pairing, right? You can put him there on the right hand side too. Um, so, you know, you've got, you've got, uh, you can, you can move him up and down. He's not a first, he's not first line minutes. Like he's not, he's not going to play with Quinn or, or, or in that sense, um, you know, but he's, I could see him playing, um, you know, on the right side on the second or third pairing. And I I could see him playing with, with, with Edler. I, I really could. Uh, but then what do you do with Tyler Myers? Right. So probably third, third pairing on the right side, but also in the sense that, you know, there's going to be injuries. you got to have depth on D. So you, you, you're going to you're going to be able to move him up and down the lineup. You could probably squeeze him in, uh, you know, with, uh, on the first pairing at some point if you really had to and get more minutes out of him than, uh, you know, than some other guys. But um, I like it. I think he's going to be a depth guy. I think he's better than everybody thinks. I think he's got a lot more to give than everybody thinks. I'm excited for him.
3: Do... um do you have to make sure that and take whichever young name you want a Raffity, a Rathbone? um do they need to play more hockey games than a guy like Jordy ben i mean yeah yeah benning yesterday was talking about development it's great that you've got travis coming here but i still yeah. think hershey you want to make sure those young guys are playing at least 20 games don't you to get better
7: yeah they they, they yeah they, they do have to play um the one thing about you know what? You can learn defense, or you can learn offense. Like everybody can play offense, right? You can learn offense, and, and offense is easy to come by. Defense comes with experience, so that's why you see goalies go to the minors. They need 120, 150 games because you got it. You have to make those mistakes in order to learn to not have them again. Defensively, offense you can make mistakes, and it doesn't matter. Puck doesn't end up in your net, right? So, and you can learn on the fly. But so those younger guys they have to play and they have to play a lot and they have to play more games. That's why you see defensive players go to the minors before, you know, that's why you can see a a winger or a forward plug right into the lineup right away. Because, you know, you can learn offense on the fly defense. You can't learn on the fly. You have to play to be able to learn it. And that's why you see like defensemen, like, like even pronger as he got older, how good was he? Right. Like those are the guys as they get older, those aging defensemen, like they get into their 28 to 32 years old and that's their best years. Because they've learned what they need to learn, um, you know. Whereas offense is different; you can plug a young guy in and tell him to go 100 miles an hour and go to the net, right? So uh, it, those guys playing is good. They just need they they just need ice time.
2: Um, you know, we we pumped your tires moments ago about you know how you developed Carey Price into the best goaltender in the world. Um, Travis Green touched on the Holtby. Demco tandem yesterday here's what Travis had to say about that and then I want to get your take on how you would deploy this uh, once the season starts next week you know
1: to have two guys like that to start training camp is is exciting for us from a goaltending standpoint and uh, I'm definitely not going to sit here and, and say that I've already I already know who's going to play how many games or anything like that uh, let's see where they're at on the ice obviously we've got a young goalie that we hope is still improved uh, played tremendously in the playoffs and we've We've got a guy that has already done a lot in the league and still has a lot of juice left in him. So, uh, we're in a good spot.
2: All right. So how, how, how do you approach this? Do you let these guys just kind of, you know, determine their own fates uh, between the pipes here over the next few week or so?
7: I I think so, but you have to give Demko the opportunity, right? Like he's your guy, he's young, he's your guy. He's the guy that you want to win a Stanley cup with eventually. So Braden Holpe, even if he plays well early, um, I think Demko's going to get the lion's share of the work early in the season, and then they'll see where they're at. If they're if the team is still in a good playoff position, in a good position to make the playoffs, then they'll just keep riding Demko, right? Because it's not hurting you. But if Demko if if Demko starts hurting your team, well, then you got to go to Holpe. But as far as as long as Demko holds his head above water and he keeps getting better and keeps learning, he's the guy you got to go with. He's young. Um, and, and you got to give him as many number one minutes as you can. So uh, there's, there's, they've done some really smart things. Like I said, I, I still think they need that winger, uh, but they'll address that when they have to. Wingers become available all the time. There will be one available just like the Foley at the trade deadline. Uh, they'll be able to do something about that.
3: Shooting drills, a couple inter-squad games, no exhibition games, and they play in nine days. How much does that hurt a goalie?
7: Uh, it's going to take a couple games, yeah, to get uh, to get ready to get going. But that's every goalie's going to be in that situation. So th- even the goalie they face down to the other end is going to be in, in that situation. So the playing field is even. If the playing field wasn't even, say say Edmonton had an exhibition game in there somewhere, and the Canucks didn't. Okay, well the playing field's not even, but the playing field's even. So. Uh, it's going to be a little bit of a battle to find his game, but he, the, the thing is is that he did it, right? He's already been there. He's done it. I mean, this is a guy that didn't play for four months and then went in and stood on his head for three games. So he's been there. He knows what to expect. I, I have no issues with that. I think he's going to be amazing.
2: Uh, stay safe out there, and uh, happy new year, man. Nice to catch up yeah. with you. And, uh, looking forward to talking. And, and we're not talking COVID stuff, man. We're talking hockey. It's kind of nice to do again.
7: You know it. And uh, we're we're getting close, gentlemen. Uh, we'll see you soon. And I'm excited to, to hang out, Perry. You know what? Uh, I'll be looking forward to being invited over for uh, coffee and donuts.
3: We'll do it, Hershey.
7: <laughs> we'll get there right, at some good.
3: point, my friend. Nice to talk to you. Happy New Year.
7: Awesome. Love you guys.
2: Have a Love good you one. too, man. All right, there he is. Corey Hirsch, uh, Sportsnet 650 hockey analyst, ready to uh, drop the puck on the season. Uh, Canucks on the ice later on this morning. Uh, two on ice session set to go in just a couple of hours. Uh, we'll continue the hockey conversation. 826 here on this uh, Monday morning. Uh, the agent for Travis Hamanick is going to join us in a moment. Kevin Epp. Yeah, it's been a bit of the offseason for him. We'll uh, discuss why Vancouver was the right fit for his Client. We'll do that next, right here on your home of Vancouver Hockey, home of the Canucks Sportsnet
0: 650. Cross C feed into too many sticks, and Amadek's got it, and it's a two on one. Amadek up there with little suits stars Travis. Amidic! This is the starting lineup with James sabolski and Perry Solkowski on Sportsnet 650.
2: 8.32, Savolsky, Solkowski, home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650, Canucks on the ice a little later on this morning, uh, eight-day camp, it is a sprint, and then the puck will drop against the Edmonton Oilers January 13th, a week from Wednesday, and pair the Canucks getting a shiny new toy that will join them uh, in about a week from now after a week-long quarantine, but they get uh, some added depth with a rugged defenseman in Travis Hamanick, who kind of fills a void left by Chris Tanev a few months ago when he went off to the Calgary Flames. So basically Tanev for Hammonick as they basically swap uniforms.
3: Yeah. And you know, we heard the call there of Hammonick scoring. That's not what's expected, but that's exactly the comparison I think you make. You take Travis Hammonick coming in, filling the void with some character in a room as he gets to know everybody. You move Troy Stetcher, and ostensibly you've changed it with Nate Schmidt. I don't see how there's any question that this blue line is not a lot better than it was last year. Now, you need some development with some young guys to help out because it's going to be about depth. I and mean, we're looking at it, you know, we're just looking at a lot of things going on with teams out east on the ice. Uh, local guy from your neck of the woods in Delta, Brent Seabrook, not on the ice, unfit to play still with the Hawks. You're going to see guys who are there and not there. You're going to see injuries. But, boy, to add that and take away the pressure of pushing through a Rafferty or a Rathbone, and say, man, you're going to have to eat up 15 minutes and learn on the fly, no one wants baptism by fire if you have a choice to prepare for it. And Jim Benning getting that job done didn't think they would find the money but did obviously with all likelihood the situation with Michael Furlan. Boy, uh, I like where this team has – what they've done from a terrible start the first 48 hours of free agency – Jim Benning was, yeah, oh, lots of time to do things, and he was true to his word with a big announcement yesterday.
2: Well,. Wow. <laughs> You know, can I just go back to what you mentioned with Brent Seabrook uh, not being deemed fit to play? You know, the, the news that Kirby Dock suffers the injury at the start of the World Juniors. Jonathan Taves, obviously, that news. Yeah. That surprised a lot of people that, you know, dealing with a health issue and, and he's not going to be able to play with the team to start the season. You know, Seabrook and everything that he's dealt with and, man, just what he's had to overcome and, and just the whole Seabrook family as well. What are the odds? You know, Perry, you've made a lot of money placing bets I'm telling you right now, here's my sure bet for next offseason. The Chicago Blackhawks with the first overall pick. Right? Do you not think that yeah. the Hawks will get, you know, Rangers get it this year? That's the Hawks' turn. Original six, big market, have franchise in the NHL. Hawks, reload. They'll get the first overall pick. You watch. Just you watch.
3: Yeah, but, you know, it It, it will speak to where they are. I mean, they've been decimated. They've had their run. That's a lot of hockey that their star players have played. Let's hope everything's okay for those players. And Jonathan Taves news, unexpected. I just think, James, we are going to spend the next five or six weeks and be talking about the games and also be talking about some really good players that aren't in lineups because everything is magnified. So that pulled groin that might keep you up, you know, two to three weeks, it, it could be longer and two to three weeks is like four to six, right? Because you just, you don't have 82 games. You're playing so much hockey. There's going to be a lot of guys who are going to miss some big hockey games. Injuries are going to be massive of what we see starting next week.
2: Well, and the Canucks adding a little more depth uh, yesterday, as you mentioned with, with Travis Hamonic. I, I like the pickup here. I, I I really do like the pickup and, you know, I, I know Hershey was talking about you know, look at him as a possible third pairing, but he can kind of go up and down. You know, he averaged the second most minutes on the Flames blue line last year, and that's a pretty good back end that the Flames had last mm-hmm. year, right? I mean, only only behind March Giordano. And Hamanek averaged over 21 minutes of ice time. But, man, you look at the, what Travis Green now and Nolan Baumgartner have to deal with to go and roll out for their lines. You know, Alex Edler, yes. Is he in the back end of his career? 100%. You know, are the minutes reducing? Yes. But, you know, Alex Hedler can still probably get 20 minutes a night. Quinn Hughes, we know, can play 20 minutes. Nate Schmidt's a horse who can play well north of 20 minutes a night. Now you're adding another horse who can play big minutes. And joining us on the line to discuss it a little bit more is the uh, agent, the player representative for uh, one, uh, Travis at Kevin Epp. Kevin, happy New Year. Good morning, sir. Happy New Year to you guys. How are
4: you guys doing
2: today? Excellent. We've broken all of our resolutions four days into the year.
4: <laughs> you got them already all broke, huh?
2: <laughs> exactly. Why uh, Why was Vancouver the right fit all along for Travis?
4: I think it was the right fit from the get-go just because of the style of play, the way they play, and obviously what they did in the season. I think, you know, they had Tanov here and they had Stetcher here, two right-shot defensemen that both played a lot of minutes and played in the lineup, and both guys were gone, you know? So I think... Uh, with those guys' departures, it, it just kind of left a hole that made a lot of sense, and especially with um, the Canucks and where they're at today.
3: Kevin, I, I, you know, the job of a player rep is to make sure you're talking to as many GMs as possible. But considering Oliver ekman Larson, Jake Furtanen, and now Travis, I, I will assume that you talked to Jim Benning a little more than some others. Uh, and you said it was a good fit right from the get-go. Did that get-go almost begin? You know, when you're talking about Oliver Ekman uh, and you're dealing with Jim and maybe it doesn't go, at some point does Jim go, you know, you know what's, what's Travis going to do? Do those conversations start a while ago?
4: Yeah, I mean, I think the beginning of free agency, we were talking to them right from the get-go, and I think, you know, up until the Nate Smith trade, I think Travis was probably number one on their list, you know, and then, things got, you know, I I would say clawed back or taken back because of, you know, the money they took on with Nate Schmidt and you know, and how much money they were gonna spend and trying to figure out, you know, when the season was gonna start and COVID and all the stuff that went behind the scenes with the CBA and, and kind of the start up of the league trying to figure out how they're gonna make it work financially. So I don't think it was ever a question that they didn't have interest in Travis. I think it was just trying to make it work on on both sides to uh, see if there'd be a fit, you
2: know. Kevin Epp, the agent for Travis Hamanick, with us here on Sportsnet 650. And is this this a done deal or is this a possibility that, hey, you know, in in two weeks from now maybe he ultimately goes somewhere else? Like is this – do we have a sense of what – I mean, do you guys have an understanding of what the financial parameters could look like here?
4: we have an understanding of what the financial parameters look like, but I think you can always you know be flexible in the sense of you know where do things shake out. I mean what happens at camp? you know obviously it's a shortened camp I mean there could be injuries there, there could be changes there, there still could be trades, there could be guys picked up or claimed on waivers, so there's a number of moves, probably more on Vancouver side or around the league that that could affect um travis's situation but i think in general um we have a good idea where it's at and i think you know for this season it's more about opportunity and it's more about playing you know on a on a strong team competitive team and and uh looking further ahead for what could be in the future here in vancouver
3: he seemed to make it clear that he wanted to be in out uh, west Wanted to be in Canada. Brian Burke joins us every Thursday and he's always said, man, as a GM in Canada, it's tough to get players. Kevin, we've spoken over the last couple of hours how Travis and his story and how he has helped out with this charity and the world and and the loss of his father that this guy just fills the boxes of character. Why did he want to be out West? Was it was it family first for him?
4: I think it's always been family first I mean hockey is very important to him but family is number one in all aspects and I think you know he he's got a young family now of his own and and you know he wants them to have as close to an upbringing as he had in Canada and I think he he has family out west too and I think you know that's very important to him and I think that's kind of always been his uh his mantra and I think, uh, you know, it's, it's you know, it's hard to always live, live by what you say, but he's one guy that does, you know, and he says that this is what's important to him. He actually does it, you know, and I think he, he's definitely a man of his word when it comes to that and that comes number one in his life,
2: so. Kevin Epp with us here on Sportsnet 650. I know there were a lot of teams that were reaching out to Travis uh, when free agency began. Obviously, a slow played this and let it play out, and he was particular. Uh, my understanding was he, we wanted no part of, uh, you know, south of the border and wanted to play up around here. But can you give us a sense, ballpark, how many teams were calling when, when things started here?
4: I would say upwards of seven to eight teams that uh, called regularly um, that had interest in him and had. You know, like I said, him wanting to sign at the start of free agency and just wasn't a fit for him, you know, from a, you know, basically from a personal level or a family standpoint. So um, that's kind of what took long in the process as well.
3: As we get set and camps open up everywhere, Kevin, uh, and work has always needed to be done. From an agent standpoint and an overall view, has it been difficult to deal with GMs as everyone plays with this new financial landscape or did it just take a while for, for your clients and and to see some other players to realize this is what it's going to be for the short term?
4: Yeah, I think it's taken a while, no matter who you ask or who you look at. I mean, everybody's kind of in a crunch, whether it's a, it's not always a cap situation. A lot of time it's financial budget. I mean, owners aren't really wanting to spend that much money. I mean, I, I would say there's, I don't know, uh, maybe I'm, not fair but i would say there's half the league that are just trying to survive this year and there's probably the other half of the league that's that's actually trying to win a stanley cup you know so it's it's a difficult situation when you know nobody knows what the financial future looks like
2: are you fascinated to see how the game of yo-yo will be played out uh, from a salary cap standpoint with taxi squads this year
4: Um, Am I fascinated or kind of, I think there's, uh, well, I'm pretty, I have a pretty good idea how it's going to play out, but I I think there's going to be some unfair competitive advantages and it's going to work in some teams' favors a lot better than other teams. Like how so? Well, so I guess you you would take the the simple fact that uh, teams that are against the cap that are willing to spend as much money as possible, if they have their American League team in the same city, um they can have players coming and going to and from their taxi squad and vice versa the taxi squad can will be skating with the nhl teams so that team you know the taxi squad in essence will be feeding nhl teams so Mm. there's going to be teams trying to gain cap space throughout the season you're going to see like you said a yo-yo it's going to be so much movement amongst those teams having an advantage and then you, you know you look at the canadian teams that have a uh, their American League team or the farm team in the in the United States, and they have quarantine issues, so they're going to have to carry extra players, um, or their maximum they can on the roster and maximum they can on their taxi squad, just in case of COVID or some sort of unforeseen injury problem they run into, because the players coming up from the farm are going to have, you know, in some areas two weeks, in some areas one week quarantine uh just to be cleared to go on their lineup. So I, I think and then even the shortened season, you know, fifty six games and hundred and sixteen days, they're playing every other night, right? So I think, you know, probably there's gonna be more injuries than most cases, you know? Um I think with no preseason either.
3: Uh Kevin, as a as a, a player agent and it's a team's decision, we were talking about earlier. What do you think is better? practicing with the nhl team or getting games in down in an AHL level
4: well i guess it depends on the development and age of the player i think if you're a young player and you're just trying to get into the league and you're a second or first or third year pro you need to be playing games and you need to be playing at the american hockey league i mean if you're a veteran player that's a pro that's played you know a few hundred games pro i think you know how to take care of yourself and get ready um to play games right so I think it's a fine line if you have a guy in a taxi squad all season that doesn't play for 50 games and then you expect to throw him in it's going to be tough um, but you know you, you don't have the luxury of sending guys back and forth especially being a Canadian team with a U- US farm team
2: Jake's ready to go he's ready to deal with Travis's uh, ass kicking ways in training camp here <laughs> uh, <Cap. laughs> I think
4: so I think he's all <laughs> jocked up he's been around he had a good, good off season in Kelowna training and skating with lots of pros there, and uh, I think he's ready, and I think he's excited about the opportunity. You know, I think, as what I was just saying, I think he's going to be given a, a really good opportunity, and I think it's, I think he's he's ready to take advantage of that and go with it.
3: So there's no concern, uh, Kevin, because uh, James and I, I think we've added a combined 26 pounds over the last six weeks. Easy, easy. <laughs> Jake's, Jake's in top shape. We're not going to hear anything. Fitness yeah,
4: I think he's in top shape, ready to go. And, uh, yeah, I think, uh, yeah, it is a tough time of year, isn't it, to uh, to actually be uh, getting yourself in lean, mean shape when you're eating turkey every day, right?
2: Oh, yeah, Nanaimo oh. Bars has been my kryptonite here for the last three oh. weeks there, Kevin. But uh, thank you for this. Nice to catch up with you. Uh, Happy New Year and uh, fascinated to see how your uh, clients fare here on the West Coast over the next few weeks.
4: Yeah, it should be exciting. Thanks for having me, guys, and uh, have a good day and uh, look forward to the season. You guys are going to be busy
3: now.
2: Nice to talk hockey nice, instead of vaccines for a change, my friend. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So
3: Yeah, care. for sure. Thanks, take guys. Care. There he is. Thank Have you. There day. he
2: is. Uh, Kevin Epp, the uh, agent for uh, Travis Haminick and Jake Bertanen, uh, weighing in on why this was a good fit. Uh, seven, eight teams calling, and he's settled on a PTO here in Vancouver. And uh, as you touched on all morning this morning, Pear, uh, family comes first. And uh, it certainly has, and, and it's seemed to work for the benefit of the Vancouver Canucks here this morning.
3: Well, as you know, we always like to say hometown discount. He is not from here. But as Kevin said, and he would know better than I, there's guys that talk the talk and there's guys who walk it. Um, and the most important thing is not being a hockey player to, um, you know, Travis Hammonick. And, and, and Benning spoke about it yesterday. And I just think, boy, that's more character coming into that room. Uh, makes that team better, not only for what he does on the ice, but they lost a lot off the ice. And it sounds like they'll fill that void with Travis Hammonick.
2: Some final thoughts uh, before we turn things over to the Scott Rintoul show coming your way at the top of the clock. And uh, it's Black Monday in the National Football League. Heads are rolling, and another one has just been chopped. We'll share the details next, right here on your home in the Canucks Sportsnet 650.
0: This is the starting lineup with James Sabolski and Perry Solkowski on Sportsnet 650.
2: Anthony Lynn, the latest to be punted. The Chargers turfing Anthony Lynn after four seasons as head coach. Justin Herbert worked magic as rookie quarterback uh, with L.A., uh, setting a record most touchdown passes by a uh, rookie, the youngest uh, with 30 touchdown passes. Not enough to save Anthony Lynn's job. Who uh, joins Adam Gase and Doug Marone on the uh, block here in the last what 24 hours here now? Pair that have been uh, turfed.
3: L.A. Chargers, is a, a team I wouldn't mind getting behind. I, they've got some good talent there, so we'll see who gets that. Well, job. you got a quarterback. Hey, if we can right? make anything from the from the groups here, James. It just came down for the Canucks, so you can see in the the first group you'll have Besser going out, Miller's there, as is Pedersen. Interesting on the second group, Bo Horvat's going out with Pearson. Um, but you look to go, okay, so if they're gonna do line runches, is, is Horvat there, is uh Bertanen there, he's not. So um Jake's skating with with another group. So, you know, the mystery of who will be on the right side with Bo Horvat is one that will play out for a long time. Harleck's there, Hoglander's there, uh Zach McEwen is is skating in that group where Horvat and Pearson are. So let well, the we- intrigue begin.
2: Yeah, let the intrigue begin uh, More intrigue later on this afternoon Vasily Podkolzin and Team Russia against Team Canada That goes at 3 o'clock later today uh, In the semifinals of the World Juniors The Scott Rintel Show coming up in just a matter of moments Ty Dunn, Kyle Bukowskis, and a member of the Vancouver Canucks Will join Scotty somewhere between now and noon today Before Canucks Central takes over at noon Alright, we gotta get out of here Man, nice to talk Everything happening at the NFL playoffs Just around oh. the corner NHL season ready to drop the puck And uh, we'll do do it all over tomorrow with our first visit of the new year with Big Bert uh, tomorrow there, pair.
3: Looking forward. It was nice to talk sports. Sports, <laughs> sports, sports. Love it. Great time of year. Nice to be back.
2: Talk to you tomorrow, everybody, right here on Sportsnet 650. Everything is happening.